today, Mark Dundell, Stuart Roberts, 22 years almost after we first met. And that doesn't make us feel old at all. How are you doing this evening, Mark? Um, I'm okay. I'm going through something at the moment. Um, Sting went through it in 1996. Undertaker went through it in 2004. And Karrion Cross is going through it right now. Can, can you guess what it is? I usually fast forward Karrion Cross segments on SmackDown. Oh. So I, can, I can't tell. Go on, Mark. I'm, I'm well, really... I'm, I'm uh, at the edge of my seat waiting what this is. I usually have very short hair and I decided I'm going to grow it out a bit. And I'm now in that awkward stage where I can't do a single thing with it. Oh, okay. So it's, it's kind of masked a little bit because you've got your headphones on. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So how long are yeah. you planning on going for this? I, I haven't got that far. I usually give up after about the stage I'm at now because I get fed up of looking like an idiot. But we'll see. <laughs> Oh, I think I it looks good, Mark. I yeah. don't know what you think, mate, but I, I'm, there's a bit of John Cena vibe going on here as well. <laughs> yeah, Why are you going to insult me this early? I just must say, Mark, I love, I'm loving the T-shirt you're wearing this evening as well. So uh, yeah, yeah. my cat. We've got Pro uh, wrestling tees purchase. Yeah, Jay Briscoe T-shirt. Um, yeah, an excellent cause. So yeah, check that out. Um, Stu, how are you doing? I'm 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 good, thanks. God. I feel a bit like I'm letting the side down because I can see you've got your WrestleMania top on, you've got your uh, Briscoe top on, and I've got my uh, Abba Voyage top on. <laughs> oh from... dear! <laughs> so, is this three times like, you've been to see that? This now. is three times. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah, yeah. Stacking up Abba as much as WrestleMania. So is it uh, just so, as good the third time? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. It's great. So, uh, so yeah. But I have been told by my wife that I'm not allowed to go anymore. That's a lot. So, <laughs> I, and all I, I must... said is, is we'll see. <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm not the biggest Abba fan, Stu, I'm afraid. Um, I'm sorry to say. Perhaps I'm I'm not that's missing out there, but yeah. It's a bit of a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, no, so, fair play. So yeah, uh, and it's great. I love it. So uh, it's, it's fab. So yeah. Good. But, uh, but yes, I, I probably need to have a, a few months off going. And, <laughs> and then make it, four, make it four times. Why, why not? Why not? Exactly. So yes. But apart from that, all's good. So uh, all's good. 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 Well, we've got lots to get through tonight because we've got two, uh, as I burp out a bit of Coke Zero, which is lovely for the listeners. Um, we've got two episodes, normal, to, normal episodes to go through. And then we've got a watch along we're going to do at the end. So this is the final four months month of Bill Watts owned UWF television before the Jim Crockett buyout. So we really are in the kind of end and final period of uh, Bill Watts as a promoter here at this point. So we started the, we'll get straight into it, started the March 7th, 1987 show. I watched this one weeks ago. So all this is going to be a surprise to me. I yeah, me the too. One. Yeah, so I, I think it's all going to be, yeah, a bit of a surprise coming up here. Um, so we started with a little recap of the Dark Journey promo from last week, which was interrupted by Michael Hayes and Sunshine, which ended with Sunshine throwing Dark Journey in a birdcage while Hayes screamed on encouragement. Uh, Ross and Watts were at the commentary position like the good old days, and Bill Watts said he had to digress from wrestling for a moment as two of his sons were honeymooning. His son Biff was coming back from Vale. <laughs> Biff from, like, which one of those films? Biff back Biff? to the future. Back to the future, yeah, okay. His son Biff was coming back from Vale with his wonderful wife. And Joel, Joel has got married to Pam and they were enjoying the sunshine in Hawaii. Go on, Joel. I hope you gave Pam the absolute week of her life. <laughs> um, Bill also said he was excited about his son, Eric. He was in the top 100 blue chip prospects in the nation and he had signed with the University of Louisville and we'd have a piece on this next week. And this reminded me so much of the glory days of Mid-South and these tangents would come up. Uh, Mark, uh, first, what did you make of these announcements? And I'm sure you'll be, I've already said this, Joe. I'm sure you'll join me in saying, I really hope Joel and Pam had a lovely time on their honeymoon. I think we got a bit of an insight 
as to who Bill's favourite daughter-in-law was, because Biff's unnamed bride uh, <laughs> uh, didn't, didn't really come up, unlike Pam. Um, yeah, uh, congratulations to the happy couples, obviously. Uh, it's nice. And um, yeah, the, the note I wrote about Eric, I, I, I missed that. He was recruited to some football team or something. So yes. that's the note I made there. Possibly a little self-indulgent from the cowboy, but because it's got nothing to do with the TV show. But I was happy to see him back on commentary this week, so it's all good. Yes, I am hope. I've I've mentioned this on the podcast once already, and I don't usually do this because I don't want to overpromise and un- underdeliver. But I am hoping to have Mr. Eric Watts back next month for the last episode that aired before the buyout. So we shall see when I don't deliver that, and then just me by myself talking about it for fifteen minutes. Uh, Hugh, what did you make of this uh, opening here? Yeah, it, it, I, I, like I say, I'm catching up a little bit on all this so it was, it was quite refreshing to sit down and watch these uh watch these episodes i particularly liked Hayes's. uh uh well he came he actually came across as i thought quite aggressive towards uh towards dark journey um and <laughs> how she should be at home in the cage i thought there was a couple of things that were quite close to the knuckle that probably wouldn't get away with today so oh yeah uh, yeah but yeah, yeah. uh Sorry, she carry on, carry on, carry on, carry on. So I'm interrupting, and I'm no, no, no. Uh, that. That, Sorry, carry that on. Probably wouldn't be. You wouldn't get away with in today's in today's society. So, um, but yeah, it was it was a good little angle. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought quite a vicious attack by Sunshine on uh, on on Journey actually, and as she threw her into the cage. So interesting to see how this one plays out. Yeah, Hayes seems to be uh, have a special speciality at this time of just basically saying some horrific things to the point where sometimes when I air the promos. You get to a certain point, so I've got to cut that out, and it's just yeah, it's not it's not great really. Um, in the hour, we'd also have UWF Tag Champions Terry Taylor and Chris Adams defending against Eddie Gilbert and Sting, plus Ice Man King Parsons and Ted DiBiase versus Bill Irwin and Eli. And what said there could be some problems there, as they had seen some problems with Parsons in recent weeks. Uh, first up, Ken Massey versus Sam Houston. Um, what was this music, Stu, as our resident music expert? Because I have written, it felt familiar, but I couldn't be bothered to Shazam it. Um, I was cringing so much that I didn't bother either because I just hated <laughs> everything about that entrance. Two stepping his way to the ring was just uh, most annoying. Not if for you. you. Leave, if you leave it with me, I will I will find out and come back to you. So. All right, excellent. Um, Houston took a lady out of the crowd and did a little two-step with her, as you do, and he had some lovely white chaps on. Uh, Ross said Houston had tremendous appeal with the fans, uh, and I'm pleased to say Bill Watts remained on commentary, and as I've mentioned earlier on, that was a real trip down memory lane. Uh, Houston landed a nice cartwheel and then smashed Massey with a very good-looking dropkick before they settled him down into some holds. Houston actually hit a sling blade in this, which was way ahead of its being uh, popularised by the likes of Tanahashi and Prince Devitt. And he won with a bulldog in one minute and 57 seconds. And after the match, Houston brought a lady into the ring again and did some dancing, albeit this would not have scored highly on Strictly Come Dancing. Uh, the match, however, scored reasonably well with me. Stu, what do you make of this opener? Oh, sorry. I was just sorry, on your music watch. I was watch, just on music, <laughs> music watch. Um, yeah, I, I was I was I was quite impressed with the uh, with the handstand that followed into a high drop kick. Um, that that was quite nice. Um, yeah, that that sling blade. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of called it a, a spinning clothesline. Really, it was like um, yeah, it was it was quite something that you don't really see uh, or, or I haven't seen much of in that in that day. But yeah, uh, clean match. Yeah, it was it was it was fine really for what it was. Um, I'm not into the two stepping at all. Uh, <laughs> Not for me, but uh, but actually, in terms of the match, for a two-minute match, actually, there's quite a lot in there, so it's it's pretty decent for me. 
liked it. Mark, what did you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Houston was in the final stretch of this short UWF run because he debuted with WWF in May of 87. Um, yeah, the, it the started fast. They carried on with a good pace. Um, Houston was very quick and Massey was able to keep up with him in those early exchanges. The, the match ended with what Jim Ross called a version of a bulldog, but it wasn't. It was a clothesline and then he landed in a seated position as you would from a bulldog. Um, yeah, it's for two minutes, uh, I've seen a lot worse, yeah. Absolutely. I'm sure we've all seen a lot worse in two minutes. Um, Devastation Incorporated team of Eli and Wild Bill Irwin versus Ted DiBiase and Ice Banking Parsons next. Parsons had essentially turned in the earlier tag title tournament, but was teaming with Ted here. Ted came out, but Scandal stopped the music and told him he was sick of what he stood for, sick of his music and sick of him. Scandal said he and Williams were responsible for that punk Steve Cox sticking his dirty nose where it didn't belong. I may have added dirty into that. Uh, Debussy got on the mic and told him he could run his mouth until he was blue in the face, but it would roll right off his back. He then guaranteed he'd take the belt off the big fat man of yours, unkind, and he would beat Akbar to a pulp. Ted added that when he signed the match, he was confident he had a partner he could trust, but now he was worried. And he wants to know one thing. Is Iceman with him or not? Iceman got on the microphone and said, what's your problem? I ain't done nothing to you. I, oh, I ain't, don't, I ain't done anything to you. That's not what he said. Ted got in his face a bit and then was pushed away. Eli and Irwin jumped Deviossi and Parsons and decided to walk off. Uh, this match seemed to start a bit. I didn't think I heard a bell. Uh, Debussy was beaten down for a bit until Steve Cox came out to help. And he did some clapping. And Ross talks about getting a tag. And how is that allowed? Um, Cox is cheerleading intense on the outside, range from swirling his finger to lame-looking claps. But the only thing that was worse than that was the offense when he finally got in there. He hit a clothesline so bad it made the angel of death look like Manami Toyota. And thankfully, for the good of everyone, the heel team walked off for the DiBiase and Cox count-out victory. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this pre-match angle and the action in this? And I use that term loosely for some of it. Um, well... DiBiase, as I call him, you called him Debussy a couple of times. Right? Um, <laughs> That's what Skandar Akbar calls him. A bit ah, like, right, I missed uh, that. I missed that. Yeah, like Michael, like Jericho used to call Michael Cole Mitchell Cole, and that's yeah, yeah it's a similar oh, sort that of makes thing. Sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah DiBiase bowing to both, take the title from Akbar's big fat buddy, as in his words, and also beat him to a bloody pulp. Got two separate great crowd reactions. Um, hopefully, that does come to fruition, and DiBiase gets the title shot at some point. Um, yeah, it was interesting now when DiBiase stepped forward to get in Iceman's face, uh, Eli and Bill Irwin attacked and uh, Iceman King Parsons stood back and watched and he didn't help, but he wasn't in collusion with Devastation Inc. because Bill Irwin squared up to fight him, but Parsons just walked away instead, leaving DiBiase in the lurch. And I found that quite interesting. It wasn't as cut as dry as, right, he's, he's going to help the bad guys now. Um, yeah, Steve Cox, I'd echo some of your uh, comments there. We're going to talk a lot about him in the next uh, hour or two. Um, the next big thing, Steve Cox. And uh, <laughs> he got a good cheer from the crowd when he came out, but all, all we saw from him when he tagged in was a few punches. And um, uh, it didn't take long before Akbar and his team walked to the back and the bell rang. And I thought it was a bit too fast to have been a count out. And Bill Watts on commentary said, DBS and Cox won by default, whatever that meant. Oh, I see. Um, the, the the classic default finish in uh, yeah, wrestling. Yeah, it, it was too soon to be a count-out, so I don't know what it was. Um, 
Yeah, although he was in the ring for less than a minute, I thought Steve Cox was very out of breath as he and DBS celebrated afterwards. Too many roids. Uh, Stu, what do you think of this? Uh, <laughs> I actually thought it was a complete mess, if I'm being honest with you. The actual start, the, the actual promos at the start was was really good. The wrestling wasn't much to talk about. Interesting and just music. They came out to a bit of Born in the USA, which uh, uh, Bruce Springsteen, um, which always struck me as strange for DBRC to come out to something like that. But but that aside... Um, but yeah, it was it was more around the the what was going on around the match rather than what actually was going on on in the match and stuff like that. So, so yeah, and then we had another rousing pumping out of uh, Bruce Springsteen again at the at the end. But yeah, it was just a bit a bit messy for me really. Um, but um, yeah, it, this uh, this uh, Iceman is going to be interesting. So like like Mark said, uh, as, as we're talking about Cox, I think we're going to be talking about this guy uh, quite a bit yes. in the next hour. Yes, uh, we are. I always like to do a bit of Wikipedia research. Um, and uh, I learned a very interesting fact today. Wild Bill Irwin became the goon in uh, a very short-stinted run in WWF in 1996. So. And we saw him in the gimmick Battle Royal of 2001. We did. Wow. Okay, I wouldn't gloves, have gloves off, yeah. hockey stick down, and there you go. So, um, so yeah, I'm trying to think of a memorable match that the goon had, really, but I'm, st- I'm struggling. It seems so, the guy that had the ice hockey boots, was it? Yes, it, he, yeah. it was big ice hockey gloves, and uh, yeah, yeah. And apparently, I think he was kicked out of every match or every whatever league he participated in and stuff like that. So, uh, um, but I, I do seem to remember that he, he was he was pitched with the likes of Barry Windham and um, yeah, Mark Mirror and stuff like that. So I don't think he was ever on a stellar path to success with the WWF. 1996, a strange old time in uh, in the WWF, wasn't it? It really was. Funny, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got a little insert promo with Hot Stuff International and Bruce Pritchard. Gilbert said that Adams and Taylor didn't deserve the belts. He asked who the former champions were that had the belts stolen from them and held up. He said the UWF didn't want them to have the titles. Gilbert added that Taylor was already out of the tournament and he wanted them bad, boys. Uh, Missy said all the officials, even the wrestlers, have been trying to get rid of them. They won't leave until they're ready to leave, and then they, but they don't have to. What? Terrible note-taking. Then we got Sting, which I think might have been his first on-air speaking uh, role here. He said he was disgusted and Taylor was in something he didn't belong, belong and really stressed the end of the word. I like this. Always good fun hearing from Missy. I've done a terrible job with that. Uh, Stu? Do better than I just did, please. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I think you've, you've summed it up quite well. I thought it was a little bit um, bit disjointed, if I'm being honest with you. There, there wasn't a flow to it, if you know what I mean. Um, uh, I, th- I thought Missy was was struggling to get her words out at one point. So, um, but yeah, it was it, yeah, it was great to see Sting and 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 you know, obviously his first time probably speaking in the UWF. So that was that was nice. I think as well. so. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said this on the show before, but these these insert promos are. Basically, if you were watching this show in a, in a market which had matches, so you had an event in your arena coming up, this would be something different. It'd be something specifically promoting a match. So it would have these two talking about their upcoming match. But these promos were used to fill that time in, in areas where they didn't have shows. So, for example, New York and places like that, where, where you could get this show on certain um, you know local syndicated channels. Um, but, yeah, they, they didn't have matches. Right? So they're always a bit bit strange. Uh, but this one's okay. Uh, Mark, anything to add on this before we move on? Yeah, um, it, it wasn't your notes. You didn't 
take it wasn't terrible note taking. Mrs. Promo just didn't make any sense. I oh, wrote okay, down good, good. Uh, verbatim what she said was, "When we get ready to leave, that's when we'll leave." But hey, we don't have to leave. Okay. Uh, and, <laughs> Uh, I quite like Daddy Gilbert's promo. He was angry and intense, but still very articulate. I thought that was good. And while he was talking, I quite liked how Missy was mouthing stuff towards the camera. Sort of every time he said hot stuff and Hyatt, she would mouth clearly to the camera. It's Hyatt and hot stuff. So oh, I would she? I quite yeah. like that part. Yeah, yeah. That's great. It was just when she actually spoke that the problem started. Yes, indeed. Back to the show. Some morons in the crowd had a sign that read Steve Cox is fantastic. And Ross sadly mentioned that Watts had now left the commentary booth, but Iceman would be out there soon. Then we got a special feature from the Dallas Times Herald on the UWF. First, we got a Gilbert and Hyatt poster, which they ran recently on a Sunday, along with some other wrestlers' posters. Ross said that the Hyatt poster had been very controversial as the camera had panned out to reveal Don Walton of the aforementioned newspaper. Ross said this was one of his favourite ones, and Don said he thought he'd say that, and Ross gave an all-knowing pervy grin to the camera when referring to the higher uh, poster. Don said Missy was very pretty, albeit controversial. He added they were probably the only paper in the world that provided posters for people in full colour, probably. Uh, the, last one said, the last one would be in a couple of weeks, uh, and it'd be the Free Birds, and Don sounded genuinely sad about this, like this... This newspaper runner posters was the absolute time of his life. Uh, Ross said Don wrote a wrestling column in the paper and Don added he tried to get into the personalities and that they had approximately 20 hours a week to watch on TV in the Metroplex and 10 live shows a month. What a classic bit of UWF here. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this, uh, this brilliant segment from the <laughs> Dallas Times Herald? I do have things to say about the segment. Before that, though, you did mention briefly the uh, Steve Cox's fantastic sign. Yes. That, yeah. that appeared to me like it was done on one of those old dot matrix printers that you have in school where the papers yeah. are all joined together. That would take can at I, least can an hour. Can, can, <laughs> can I just say that's the exact line I've just got on my word in here. It looks yeah. like it's been done by a dot matrix printer. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely, great minds. Definitely. The sound um, of that for an hour would have been absolutely <laughs> excruciating as well. Yeah. Oh. And was it worth it at the end, Steve? No, Cox it wasn't. Fantastic. Well, he isn't. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so um, it seemed like Jim Ross was trying to fit the words Dallas Times Herald into the sentence as many times as humanly possible because um, Don Walton of the Dallas Times Herald was holding a Dallas Times Herald poster of Gilbert and Hyatt, one of a series of posters recently in the Dallas Times Herald. Um, <laughs> he said that, yeah, it was odd that he said the Gilbert and Missy poster was his favourite because he's an announcer and that they are heels. But, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. He's um, also very horny, Mark, so <laughs> go about that. That's, that's true. That is true. Um, I thought I'd Google uh, Don just to see what comes up, and uh, I found his obituary from 2021. So, uh, yeah, long life. Yes, well played, Don. And he had a Facebook page. That's it. Nice. Stu? I'm struggling with uh, finding who Sam Houston's music was. I'm, I'm sort of like going to throw her in. I think it's, it sounds a bit like Steppenwolf to me, but... Uh, um, okay, um, okay. Um, See, I, yeah. I, did, I did try the exercise myself, but I just couldn't make out the lyrics. I couldn't no, hear I couldn't, it. No, I've just so. listened to it again, and I can't hear it because Jim Ross is just like ranting over it. So uh, <laughs> I, I made a, I picked up the word rodeo, but when I Googled Sam Houston and rodeo, I just got tickets for Houston Rodeo 2023. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I'm going to... I might have to come off air uh, uh, and 
and and message you later, Stephen. You can probably just That's put a note on. But yeah, but uh, um, so where are we? So are, are we talking about uh, Dallas Times Herald? Oh, oh, Dallas Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really think I've got anything more to add than what you guys said. It just seemed a bit bit bizarre, but you know full color posters that's quite a that was probably quite a big thing at that in the mid 80s yeah. wasn't it to get a full color poster in in big time and stuff like that so uh so yeah but no not really much to add on that in the ring we had ross and parsons and ross said he and the Iceman had been friends for a long time but the Iceman he knew at one time was not the same person that was in front of him there he added he wasn't going to start an argument sounds like you want to start an argument jim but he and the people want to know what's going on Parsons said everyone has problems and a friend of his let him down. If Ted has kept, if Ted has kept, if Ted, I'll try that a third time. If Ted had kept his mouth shut, they'd have done everything they were supposed to do. A fair point, I thought. But as he acted like that jailbird Chris Adams, he got just what the doctor ordered. Parsons was part of, uh, this is a serious bit. Parsons was, <laughs> what's wrong with me? I'm, not, I'm drinking Coke Zero. Uh, my Apple Watch is getting involved as well. Shut up, Apple Watch. Right. Serious voice. Parsons was referring to Adams headbutting a male flight attendant on a flight back from Puerto Rico on June the 30th, 1986, which resulted in a 90 day jail sentence. And it was slightly odd that they continuously brought this up about a baby face, which is really odd. Um, Ross said he disagreed about that assessment and that Parsons had earned his way into the tag title final. But he walked out. Parsons said Adams was the one who walked out. He'd known him for years. But he told him, when you come here, there's a line you can't cross. He referenced the jail time again. And he said he sent him money every day. And he called him. He went to visit him in prison. He said, in the end, Adam stabbed him in the back. Uh, they moved on to talking about Savannah Jack. And Parsons said he wanted to smooth it all over. And he wanted to present Adams with something. Uh, Ross said he'd seen what was in Parsons' sack. And he didn't think anyone wanted to see it. He then pulled out a T-shirt with black hoops on it and writing that read Jailbird on the front and 000 on the back. Uh, Parsons called Jack some disparaging things, uh, which Ross had a great facial for. He said he'd slap his mama and beat his daddy like he stole him some, stole something. Uh, they were pushing the racial buttons here. And that aside, I thought Parsons was really tremendous here. Stu, what did you make of this promo? Yeah, uh, probably my first sort of like bit of real exposure to Parsons in that respect, and I, I thought it was, I thought it was great. It was yeah, uh, it took me a while. I had to watch it again because it sort of like jumped from thing to thing. He's got like mm. maybe two or three different storylines going on all within one um, sort of like one one promo there, if you know what I mean. But um, yeah, I, I I thought it was really good, and like you said, I was really surprised that they were sort of like drawing that atten- that much attention to a, a a a thing that a baby face did. You know, which resulted in a in a an incarceration prison type sentence. So, so that surprised me a bit. But yeah, I I I really liked him. Again, a little bit close to the knuckle on a few things there. Yes. But um, um, probably could have got a better T-shirt printed for me, really. But um, <laughs> apart from the homemade job that it was, but no, it was a really good promo. But like I say, there there was it almost felt like he's got too many irons in the fire, if you know what I mean. And and they're going to have to steer him in one direction. But but yeah, it was good. Mark. Oh, I don't know why I went high pitched. I seems to go through reverse puberty for some reason there. Mark, go on. Um, yeah, the Chris Adams part of the promo, um, like you, I just um, focused on what the incarceration for and I looked into that a bit. It, it, it reminded me of, I think, um, when Crush came back in 96, they made a big deal out of him being an ex-convict. 
for real. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. With his character, it was, and he had that fake tattoo on his head when he was in the Nation of Domination. He, it was like Domino Mysterio uh, ex Jailbird type thing, but for real. Um, yeah. And then it was the the stuff with Savannah Jack. I'd agree with you that his delivery was excellent. I liked how he did it, but the words he was calling Savannah Jack, I, I've never been a, a fan of racial storylines in wrestling. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to weave real life stuff into a wrestling angle. Like many of us don't like our bosses. So we loved Austin versus McMahon and so yeah. on. But I, I, I've always felt like racism, something from real life that a form of escapism like professional wrestling just doesn't need to bring up and, and deal with, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think that I can't remember this in one of these episodes. They certainly, they, it is in one of these episodes where they, they, they touch on this again or uh past the touch on it again quite hard so um back from the break dark journey had headed into the ring with bruce pritchard uh journey said he'd happily sorry journey said she'd happily get into the penalty box i called it a birdcage earlier uh, and she would happily meet sunshine in it hayes and roberts stormed the ring hayes went for journey in a very unsavory moment and held her as sunshine tried to get her with something in a jar Chavo Guerrero and the Link came down to the ring and the Freebirds left, which allowed Journey to nail Sunshine with a bag. Uh, the men fought on the outside while Journey tried to get this mysterious jar open. Uh, they called it a jar. It was kind of more of a tub. Um, and this was a little bit awkward as the two of them seemed to be standing there for an age. Um, Sting and Gilbert then came down with higher uh, while this was going on. Uh, Missy got in there and hit Journey with her handbag and stole the tub and walked off. Ross then called it the cream. Um, and still, we weren't sure what it was. Um, Stu, thoughts? Uh, yeah, uh, great segment. Uh, when when you say that higher hit Dart Journey with her handbag, I'd say it was a a light brush with her <laughs> handbag to the back. Um, but yeah, but just before we go into that, um, sorry, have we missed a uh, yeah. I, I, Mr. Match. Mr. Match. Oh, sorry, we have. Bobby Perez and Bad Buddy Jack Roberts. What a treat. Buddy won in two minutes the Bulldog that Perez somehow managed to take on his back. Nothing to add on this nothing match, Mark. That's what I should have said first. Uh, well, typically you've said there's nothing to add and I've got loads of notes on it. No, that's um, fine. I'm Fire away. During the introductions, Jim Ross read out the UWF top 10 rankings at a speed Excalibur would be proud of in AEW. <laughs> um According to Wikipedia, Buddy Roberts became Buddy Jack Roberts around this time uh, simply because of his love of Jack Daniels. Uh, I, I, I didn't think he looked in great shape here. He was approaching his 40th birthday. He'd been in wrestling for over 20 years. It just felt like Father Time had maybe caught up to Buddy. Because um, even though he's 15 years older than Hayes and Gordy, he never came across as being a lot older than them when you'd see all three of them together, I felt. But um, that impression of him changed as I watched this match. Um, That's what hanging around with Michael Hayes for a few yeah, years before he yeah. you. Some yeah. people get away with it and some people it it, it catches up to them. Um, yeah, Jim Ross called, again, Jim Ross calling moves is annoying me. He called what was a standard bulldog the Freebirds version of the move. Uh, it was just a bulldog. Hey-ho. Stuart. Uh not a lot, uh, not a lot more to add than what Mark said. Obviously, um, they were very clear to distance themselves from Parsons' comments at the start of the match as well. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it, like Mark said, it was just a bit of a slow 
methodical match you know everything he did was 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 crisp and stuff like that but there was just no no pace to it and stuff like that really so um yeah there wasn't really that much to 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 add to that um you sort of like i i sort of like felt as as we go through the episodes that maybe they're making some moves to replace him but um but there we go we'll we'll see how that unfolds indeed right uh the key before the breaks had Doctor's protege, and unfortunately that meant we had the displeasure of another Steve Cox match. Uh, this wasn't nearly as bad as his first showing, uh, perhaps thanks to what I'd like to imagine was a backstage rollicking courtesy of Bill Watts after his first match. He won in 57 seconds with a Russian leg sweep, um, which I'm sure, Mark, you enjoyed, Jim Ross calling a side suplex. And over to you, what do you think about Mr Cox putting double duty here? Uh, well, yeah, Jim Ross did indeed call it a side suplex. Uh, very frustrating. Kenny Johnson looked pretty confident, I thought, but I didn't give him much chance of winning based on how much they've been pushing the next big thing, Steve Cox, in this show. Um, and yeah, it was 53 seconds, so uh, what more can you say? Yes, Stuart. Um, oh, I, I quite like I, I thought it was in a, a, a pretty decent power slam and a huge back body drop as well. Um I, I I got side suplex in brackets leg sweep, but um, but yeah, you can't. There's not really much to say in 57 seconds, but no. they're obviously pushing him for a reason, aren't they? Well, I think yeah, they are. I'm not. I'm, I just can't. Apart from his body, I can't really quite work out what the reason is. Um, we got an insert promo with Journey Charvo and the Missing Link again about the penalty box match. Uh, this was awkwardly shot at the top of the arena, but we just seen Journey drilled with a supposedly loaded purse. Um, again, we've talked about these promos running in event in places where they haven't got a vent. Um, Charvo stumbled all over the shop and going back from Spanish to English, and they speculated what this cream was. And Journey said she would find out and file a full report. Shoot, anything to add on this one? Um, not that much because we're sort of like this is probably the third promo around this. Uh, I mean, we saw the bit at the top, didn't we? And then we saw the seeing the the breakout. So they're obviously they're they're really driving this. Um, but there really wasn't much else to add apart from, I mean, Dark Journey referred to about she'd offered to slap the referee to get the penalty box. I'm pretty much sure she said that at last in last week's promo that she'd slap the ref. So there was nothing really, really new there. Obviously, we still don't know what's happening with the cream. Obviously, that's the big news, <laughs> the big story that's running through that. Um, and I also know she managed to change her clothes pretty swiftly as well. So, uh, so there yes, Mark. Yeah, I put in my notes that journey had a different sweater on, possibly filmed on a different night. But I think you filled in that uh, Steve saying about the different markets. I didn't know that before. Um, yeah, it wasn't very good. And and yeah, Chavo Guerrero managing to put himself off, put himself off. Um, when switching from English to Spanish and back to English again was quite un- unusual. He, he seemed to go completely blank uh, mm. while he was on the mic. <laughs> I quite enjoyed it. Uh, UWF tag title match next. Sting, who's wearing jeans and Eddie Gilbert, and Ross said it didn't look like Sting was in his wrestling attire. And there was also someone else out there with them. Um, Eye of the Tiger played. I found out the other day that Eye of the Tiger was nominated for an Oscar. Did you know that? Did not. Yeah, this what, is for, some Rocky uh, Three. Rocky, yeah. Rocky. It was sort of best best song in a film, basically, but it didn't win because Up Where We Belong won the Oscar for best 
song in a movie that year. Oh, that isn't is that the, from Officer and a Gentleman? Yeah, that isn't the title of the Oscar. It's it's basically that, but it's, it sounds better than that. But yeah, Eye of the Tiger nominated for an Oscar. Wow. No wonder all these people and Hogan used it around this time as well. Although I'm not sure. Did he use it in AWA? Was that when he came to WWF that he used Eye of the Tiger? I think he used it in WWF. Yeah, he definitely did it at the start. Then I just wondered if, if yeah. that that was it. Uh, might have begun in AWA. Yeah, sure. Minneapolis thing or not? I don't know. Because um, I've seen, uh, I don't even seen the original, the original footage of him winning the title, and he comes out to either Tiger and Madison Square Garden or that, and it's just like the the, the roof just blows off that place. Can I, can um, I yeah. just go slightly off tangent? Just while we're talking Shoot. about the Oscars, just, can, just yeah. while we're talking about the Oscars from 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 uh, last weekend and stuff like that. One of the most heartwarming moments I thought was when, uh, uh, and I, forgive my if I don't get his pronouncing right, Ki Ki Kui Han. He he won yeah. an Oscar, I think, for best supporting actor. And one of the loveliest moments was him hugging Harrison Ford. Yeah. And there was a video. There was a f- couple of photos side by side on Twitter from him doing it in. Um, uh, Temple, of Doom. Temple of Doom and then last night and I just thought that was a lovely moment so sorry yes. we digress there so no lovely I, I, I haven't seen any of the films that won the Oscars actually and I haven't really paid much attention to it alas any, anything I wanna, worth watching uh, in there I think I want to watch The Whale with Brendan Fraser in it hmm I haven't seen any of them, but I was reading up on all the winners and losers this morning because I'm doing a pub quiz on Thursday and I bet you it comes up ah Oscar yes winners. good research definitely yeah. Um, where are we? So, either Tiger played and out came our champions, Terry Taylor and Chris Adams. Ross talks about UWF events in Los Angeles, Detroit, and the Mid South Coliseum coming up. This is big news, and they did run California for the first time ever in company history in March 1987. Um, in and also in San Bern, in San Bernardino and later Stockton, um, LA and Irvine as well, and did a later loop in August. They also ran Chicago and Minnesota in April 87 for the first time. So clearly they were attempting to expand their live event touring uh, business on the back of their, their good television network. So I, I just wonder, I, I need to go back and read the section in Bill Watts' book about this. I don't think there's a huge amount about it, but I can't imagine that they knew that this was going to be sold when... They were doing this expand, essentially an expansion at the same time as the as the yeah. company's being sold. Because um, this is a big deal going to run places like Chicago and you know Minnesota AWA territory, which was still going at that time. Obviously, the business was way down the West Coast, etc. So it's quite impressive stuff, really. Um, it parallels Adams- with um, it parallels with ECW. They did a pay per view in Los Angeles in I think August of two thousand, and they were mm. done by January two thousand one. Was that the one with the XPW? Invasion? Yeah, they, they yeah. bought tickets for the front row and it all kicked off. And that was all legit. It wasn't an angle, was it? No, no. They no. they come in and started trying to disrupt things and throwing things at Francine at ringside and, and they went outside and had a big fight. <laughs> Blimey, that's that's madness, isn't it? Um, Adams had a lovely patriotic jacket on with the Union Jack on the back and the stars uh, and stripes or stars and stars and stripes on the sleeves. Uh, Gilbert got on the microphone to say that Adams and Taylor were real good when they run their mouths. He said his partner Sting has torn his bicep. He said it was supposed to be uh, their big chance to win the titles. The doctors told him they could wait 24 hours for him to heal. Uh, but the champion said it was now or never. Sting did have a month or so off in March 87. So this appeared to be legit, albeit I don't think a biceps tear can heal in 24 hours. Uh, Gilbert said Mike Boyette had been on the phone to them, repeatedly trying to get a place in the group. Uh, so they decided to give him a tryout. And Missy said they didn't understand it, and or she didn't understand it. And if Boyette loses, he can't be in their group. 
Uh, Mark, what do you think of this angle before the match? Um, yeah, it was Mike Boyette that that grabbed my attention. He, he was stood there like he didn't know what planet on he was on, with a <laughs> very blank look on his face while Gilbert was droning on. Uh, I did look into it, and it worked elsewhere in a twenty-plus year career at that point under the nickname the Californian Hippie. So that made me wonder if uh, the blank look and the gormless look on his face was real or part of the hippie character, perhaps. I don't know. Indeed. Uh, Stu, anything to add on this before we get into our last match? Uh, no, I'd, I'd done a similar bit of research I had about the California hippie mark as well. So, uh, But yeah, again, I, I just thought Gilbert was just rambling a little bit here, actually. It was quite... I, I found it quite difficult to follow, if you know what I mean. There was a bit too much... A, a bit too much going on really if you know what to mean there were so yeah. many like uh, pa- parsons coming down as well and yeah so um yeah yes after 30 seconds ice making parsons came into ringside and got on the microphone and told him to wait a minute he then offered his services to eddie gilbert and said he should be the champion sucker um that i've made that sound slightly <laughs> not champion what- comma Soccer. There you go. Thank you for that grammar <laughs> correction. Uh, he told Adams that he stole the belt and called him a jailbird. Uh, he backed off and was pushed away by referees. And I have to say, um, off-colour comments aside, uh, this Parsons character is a breath of fresh air, really. Um, the match then continued. Uh, Ross said that Adams had basically baby-faced himself by admitting he'd made a mistake and been a positive influence on the youth. And this was fine, albeit I was consistently aware of how little time there was left on the show. So I found it difficult to get into. And poor Boyette took a terrible bump off a catapult and was eventually finished off and pinned with a super kick as the credits rolled. And the show went off the air with Sting and Gilbert laying the boots in on our babyface heroes. Um, Stu, Mark, Stu, Mark, (laughs) Stu first. What do you think of this last match? I don't know I'm doing such a bad job tonight. I think a little bit tired, really. I'm training for, I've got my bar in 15 weeks. I'm up in the morning, first thing, trying to get my body in some sort of shape. So it's a troubling time for me. Podcast in the evening, I'll go to bed, really. Sorry, Stu, over to you. What did you make of our last match? Uh, yeah, I thought um, I thought Boye got a little bit of, of, of fencing. Um, but, you, I mean, you always knew what was going to be the the, the end out, outcome of this this match. But, um, yeah, it was it was quite a slick match, actually. Um I like the sling. I like the sling shot to the turnbuckle. But it's back to West Point to Boye. I mean, he took a bit of a he took a bit of a whipping, but it was always obvious he was going to get pinned for the three. Um, no surprise to see Sting running in and do the attacking as well. Yeah, it was it, it, the time that it had. It was all right, but it was very it was very squeezed in, wasn't it? And and with all the credits going over it as well, you sort of like lost a little bit of the thread of it, really. But yeah, it was it was it was fine for what it was. Definitely, Mark. Thoughts on this uh, final match? When Iceman come to ringside, it was referee Tommy Gilbert who was at, stood arguing with him and not letting him in the ring. And it, it does bother me a little bit. I've said this before about when Eddie Gilbert's involved in stuff, having Tommy Gilbert involved because they, they they've said on camera, I believe, before that he's they are he, they are father and son, so he's not the most impartial official you wouldn't think, but. Uh, it's a minor thing. I I just thought it was great timing as um, Chris Adams got the pin after that super kick as the credits were already rolling. And I don't think it was done sort of, they had the video in the can and then they timed it because Jim Ross's commentary had already started winding down. Uh, we'll see you next week, blah, blah, blah. And I, I just thought they were going to go off the air with the match still in progress as they tend to do. And uh, yeah, the super kick came out of nowhere. He got the three count and it was off the air within 10 seconds. I like that. 
Mm. Yeah, it was it was certainly well timed. I thought the show was a little light on action, but I thought this is fairly entertaining. Forty five minutes, of Universal Wrestling Federation. Um, before we move on to the March fourteenth show, Mark, any final thoughts on this week's episode? I, f- I felt like the bright point was um, Eddie Gilbert. It seems like he's really hitting his stride in the ring and on the microphone at this point. I've I've really enjoyed his work in nineteen eighty seven so far. Indeed, Stu. Any final words on this March seventh eighty seven uh, episode? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed Parsons, um, you know, pretty much uh, a lot of um, TV airtime throughout the whole show. So that was quite, quite refreshing as well. Um, but it was a for me, it was a little light on wrestling this week. There wasn't really that much to get your teeth into. I'd probably say. I think I think if I said 15 minutes worth of wrestling, I think that would be quite generous, actually. So I'd be surprised um, if there was that much. Yeah. 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 So it was a, a little bit light on wrestling for me. But but yeah, you could you could see the the, the storylines being progressed. So um so yeah. So on to the March 14th episode, and we got a recap of the angle with the free birds and the infamous jar slash tub, plus Dark Journey, Sunshine, and Missy Hyatt. At the commentary position was Jim Ross and Michael Hayes. And Hayes had a lovely leather-style waistcoat with two red lightning bolts pointing down. Uh, Ross asked Hayes what was in his mind and what was in the jar. And Hayes said Dark Jenny was frustrated because Sunshine was with them and she wasn't. And Hayes added something very distasteful about her hair and rearranging her looks. Uh, Ross said we'd see the Universal Tag Title match in the hour. And Hayes said that the truly awful team of Buddy Jack and the Angel of Death would be the new champions. And he may or may not have said truly awful. Um, Ken Massey versus Chavo Guerrero opened the in-ring element of our show. And Ross talks about their debut in L.A. And Hayes said he'd be staying out in L.A. longer for a rock and roll bowling tournament along with Bon Jovi. What? Oh, I, I, I want to be there for that. I'd love yeah. to have been there for that. Do you think that was real? Um, I don't know. I'll Google it and find out. Yeah, please do. Uh, we had a special feature on Cowboy Bill Watts' son, Eric, upcoming, uh, which I could not wait for. Uh, Guerrero hit the deadlift Northern Lights suplex and then pinned uh, Massey in just over 10 minutes. Fine, not much to add. Mark, what did you think of the opening match? Anything to add on the stuff at the start of the show? Um, yeah, that that top Michael Hayes was wearing, it it reminded me of something Hulk Hogan wore in the film No Holds Bad. I don't know if you remember the famous scene where he makes some guy poo himself. Um, well, Mark, I don't know when it's going to be out, if it ever comes out, but I have done a review of that with one of the guys from Random Wrestling Review recently. Ah, okay. So well, yeah, so you will be familiar I've watched it. it two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, he was wearing a black and red, very tight sort of leathery yes. top in that scene. Anyway. Um, Dookie. Yeah, <laughs> that's the word, that's the word. Two, it was a typically smooth delivery for Michael Hayes. I, I like hearing him uh, uh, do his thing. Um, then the match... Uh, Chavo was listed as being from a place called Fountain Valley, California, which is also the hometown of Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Lovely. Grease 2 fame. Yeah, very much so. Is she yeah, still that... with us, Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah, yeah. She's yeah. in yeah, the she's... Ant-Man films. The, uh, oh, Marvel I didn't know that. Films, yeah. Joe, I've not seen any of the Ant-Man films. I've seen most of the Marvel yeah. stuff because Charlotte's very into it. But yeah, perhaps I should check those out. I think she's in the new one that's coming out soon or is maybe already out. Mm. Um the match started with good technical wrestling. Chavo was taking down Massey in a number of different ways. My favourite being the fisherman suplex, which led to a two count. Uh, the takedowns continued with not much reply from Massey until Chavo got the win with the Northern Light suplex. So, yeah, again, not bad for a squash match, I thought. Yeah, indeed. Stu, anything to add on this one? Um, 
not not a massive amount. I like the way that I like how Hayes was bigging up Chavo and 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 saying what a good technical wrestler he was and things like that. Um, I just thought the crowd was really quiet for that, but the match was very pedestrian again. It, it was very methodical, very slow, you know. Um, but I liked, I did like the finisher uh, at, at the end, as, as as Mark said. But yeah, not not much for the crowd to get into on this one, I don't think. New. After the break, Ross introduced the Eric Watts piece. He called him one of the best 100 footballers in the country and a blue chip quarterback. Uh, we got some footage of Eric making some nice passes and then went on to add, or Ross went on to add, how good he was also at basketball and how he had a 4.0 grade average, which means absolutely nothing to us in the UK. Uh, we then got a little piece in a theatre style setting with Bill Watts standing on stage and Eric up there as well, announcing Eric's scholarship at the University of Louisville. Um, Eric looked really young as he signed the papers, did Bill. Um, and they played this completely straight, unfortunately. And as such, this was lacking um, some of the fun moments you kind of expect or want from a piece like this. Um, regular co-host Phil um, has sort of explained this before. Um, and he's mentioned that these video packages were Video packages were used to familiarise viewers to the wider Watts family. Similar, I think, we were using world class around the Von Eriks, um, with a, with an eye basically on the future possibility that Eric would one day wrestle for the promotion. So you're kind of building a star that people know, and then you can kind of use that goodwill in the future. Um, yeah, so it just was there. This, do you have anything to add on this one before we uh, we move on on? Um. Not really, no. It was a bit, again, I'm not really that big into American football, so it didn't really mean a lot to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. Uh, not wanting to upset any of you, because I just generally don't understand the rules. That's what it is more than anything. So, uh, um, But I'm busy researching what a great a GPA 4.0 is as oh, well. Oh, good. So, yeah, uh, come back to us. Um, uh, I've got a funny feeling it's equivalent to like a 2-1 degree in in... Uh, in the UK, in terms of university, but well, I'm that's very good. Bit, too, I'm one, just trying to do a bit of research on that. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Next, I'll leave that with you, Mark. Anything to add on the uh, Eric Watts piece? Yeah, in the, in the title part of this part of my notes, I called it this week's nepotism segment. Um, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I thought, like you said, Steve, it, it's probably leading to well, one day Eric might be a top UWF superstar. Was probably the thinking yeah. behind this, but they announced. They announced that he'd got a five-year scholarship, so it certainly won't happen anytime soon, this wrestling career. It well, that'd be only 23 that. at that point when he finished yeah. that. So, yeah, I guess well, he would um, still be very young, yeah. Yeah, I just thought, well, it's, it's again, it's regional territory wrestling, isn't it? I mean, I can't imagine if Vince McMahon did a five-minute vignette on a 1994 episode of Raw about his daughter graduating high school and starting uni, you know. Yeah, and the thing is, it's interesting you say about the the kind of regional nature, but th- this this was their go at going national. So you, you had Crockett had gone national at this point. WF obviously had gone national a couple of years before, or probably three years before, I guess. Um, so it's 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 a funny uh, sort of dichotomy, I suppose, mm. between the traditions of what you used to get quite a lot in the Mid South program versus well, everyone's seeing this now. And while this would have really appealed to people in those states down there, actually, if you're if you're a viewer in Los Angeles, does Bill Watts and the Bill Watts family mean that much to you? And I, I don't think that would be in the top 100 reasons as to why this, this promotion didn't work, but it was certainly something to think about. Um, Skander Akbar was next, and he issued a challenge for the best six wrestlers in the world, and he said nobody has accepted it yet. 
Uh, a lot of people that are sticking their big, fat, bulbous American nose in his business, and he doesn't like it. He said, Debussy, Dr. Death, um, and something said something about pigs, and then was cut off. And in the ring, we had the glass man, terrible name, Gary Young and Bobby Perez versus Bill Irwin, Eli, and the one-man gang. The glass man, I mean... This either sounds like someone that was shattered under pressure or like that kind of waster bloke that collects glass in a rubbish pub somewhere that like, can't even be trusted to serve drinks. So that's what it sounds like. And um, interestingly on comms, Hayes went at Scandal a bit here saying that he hadn't mentioned them, that, that Scandal hadn't mentioned the Freebirds. And also that his brother Gordy hadn't had his rematch at the title that he never lost. Um, gang splashed poor Perez while he was laying on top of the glass man and this somehow counted as a pin as they were all stacked up. Um, I can't say this was all that much fun. Uh, Mark, what did you think of this? Yeah, it started with Skandar Akbar rambling on again. I don't know if it's his voice or his cadence or what it is, but I quickly lose interest every time he talks. Um, I, so I can't remember what he said before Bruce Pritchard cut him off to announce uh, their opponents. Um yeah, The Glass Man. I think there's a film called Unbreakable where Samuel L. Jackson plays a guy called Mr. Glass. And it's, okay. he's got like this brittle bone thing where he can't do anything because he will fall to pieces. I thought it, it doesn't suit a wrestler, no. does it? <laughs> um, I didn't think there was much to report on the match until uh, towards the end when Devastation Inc. suddenly became the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega because all three of them came in at the same time and started doing moves. <laughs> um, I tell I you what, Mark. I know you're going to start watching some stardom soon, but I was watching some stardom at the weekend. There was a couple of trio matches you'd have absolutely hated. And there's no 20 count in the ring or whatever, 10 count in AEW. They're just in, 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 in the whole time. So you got that to, you got that to look yeah. forward to on the 23rd of April. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And then it's not really the time or the place to get into another critique of the elite, but if they were willing to spend a few months under Shawn Michaels' learning career oh. at the Performance Centre, uh, they might still make it one day. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. The, 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 the gift that keeps on giving, that is, isn't it? Um, Stu, what did you, anything to add on this? Uh, no, I, again, I, I struggle with Akbar a little bit in terms of understanding what, what he was saying and things like that. But the match itself was just a, a, just a, 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 a mess, really. Um, very difficult to follow, you know, ended with a 747 splash. Um, yeah, there's not a lot to go on there, I don't think, um, in terms of that. But what I will say is, is I have just done a bit of research on GPAs and 4.0 GPAs. Oh, yes. So, yes. okay. Apparently, there isn't a set standard for trans you know, for translating what uh, a 4.0 GPA would be in the UK. But I'm looking at this and it's the equivalent of a first class honours degree. Wow. So in the UK, in the UK, for our American listeners, we have uh, a, I think, a five tier system when it comes to degree graduation. So you get a first class honours, you get a upper second class honours, which is equivalent to a 2-1. Uh, a lower second class honours, which is a 2-2, third class honours, and then uh, unclassified. So there you go. So if you've got a first class honours in the UK, that would have been equivalent to a 4.0 GPA in the US. Am I right or wrong in thinking that there is not a degree between us? Or have you got one, Stu? I, I do have a degree. Ah, okay. Well done. Congratulations. You. Uh, <laughs> would you believe I haven't got one? I have not got one either, but you know, there you go. How many? And, and if I tell you that I was, us? if I tell you that I was one percentage point off getting a GPA four point zero, so oh, were you really? 
Yeah, I ended up with, uh, uh, I think, 69%, which is a 2-1. If I'd have got 70, I'd have got a first-class honours. But um, but you got yeah. the best number of all there, didn't you? So <laughs> yeah, well, yes, uh, yes, yes. And I just think had I had I not gone out and partied so hard, then uh, yes, I might have ended up. A few less sixty nines on your nights out, and you might have. There you uh, go. Might have exactly. Got so yeah. uh, and I have got initials after my name. Not that I use. Wow. I, sorry, Stuart. I just assumed that we were all little rogues that didn't go to university. But you're, you, no, uh, you've broken. I went uh... to uh, I went to Brunel. Well, I, no, I didn't go to Brunel University. I went to uh, Bucks College, which was a part of Brunel University. So I got a Brunel degree, which is quite, I think, well established. But my my degree, believe it or not, was in leisure management. So it was like a business degree with, and I used to do these really interesting subjects like uh, inland water recreation and stuff like that. <laughs> wow. So uh, yeah. was that because you were a massive fan of the British Empire growing up? Uh, it was a last minute. Do you know what? I didn't even apply to. It was a last minute decision. I got my grades, and I just wrote off to this one university saying, "Do you want me?" And they said, "Yes." It was nothing like you have to do now. We have to apply. I never applied through UCAS or yeah, yeah. Or, or anything like that. It was just a speculative letter to the university in July, and I was down there in September. Well, I couldn't be more impressed. I've never been more attracted to you, Stu, than I am this second. Beauty <laughs> oh, and you. brains. Wow. There you I, go. Ne- I never thought I'd hear the British Empire mentioned on a Pro Wrestling <laughs> Moments podcast. I am, the total, I am the total package, as they say. So. Absolutely. The total package. I'm, I'm astonished. Uh, next up, we had a little interview with Bruce Pritchard along with our tag team champions. Adam said he'd learned a lesson in prison. He'd learned a lesson in life in prison. He said you had to live by the law. And I thought, how is this guy a baby face? Stop talking about your terrible misdeeds. Um, and Adam said coming back to the UWF was a great honour, especially with Terry Taylor. I'm not sure if I've got this next bit right, but he said with the newness and the greatness, he felt sure he could win. Is that what he said? Yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Taylor said he knew it was going to be difficult. The contracts were stacking up. He did a little impression of Robert's voice, which I enjoyed. Uh, Taylor added they came in for one reason, to be tag champions. Um, Something's happened with Terry Taylor here because he's miles better than he ever used to be. And I don't quite know. Well, I've got a feeling. I've got a sneaky suspicion what it might be. Um, I thought Adams was decent too, uh, though I'd rather he dropped his constant referrals to his hard time. Uh, Stu, thoughts on this little promo? Yeah, it was it was all right. I thought Adams was. Uh, I, I have an issue with it. He just so spoke so slowly and so softly, and it's very difficult to sort of like you, you know get behind him as, Adams, a, as a, a. Yeah, someone's yeah. probably told him he speaks too quickly because he's a Brit. So he's like yeah. he's probably done the trying to but do the it's reverse. It's like he's really slowed down to such a methodical way of talk. It's yeah, it's. I was a bit bored. <laughs> Fair enough. Mark, anything to add on our, on our babyface heroes? Uh, by contrast, I quite liked it. Um, Adams, I know it's odd referring to his jail time, but he had a positive message about how he had learned from his three-month incarceration, and mm. and then it switched to Taylor, who, like you said, Steve, I think he's got a lot better with his delivery, uh, talking about how everyone wants a shot at their titles. And he's looking forward to the challenge. It was just good babyface promos. Indeed. Hyatt and Hot Stuff International feature next. We got a bit of Iceman from last week, and then we cut to Eddie and Sting along with Pritchard. Gilbert said they had a new addition, someone with a great attitude, and the new person in the group was Iceman King Parsons. Parsons said, I've just broken one of Charlotte's pens while I'm... uh, Trying to read this bit out. I'll I'll try and sort that out in a moment. Uh, Parsons said, surprise, surprise, surprise. Richard also asked about the jar that the three birds wanted back. And Gilbert said they wouldn't tell anyone, albeit Parsons knows what's in the jar. The cream and the magic powder. 
He said it was going to get nasty. Uh, Gilbert said Parsons had done this because he has no good friends. Sorry, because his no good friends had turned on him. And he's now with a group who would be his friends until the very end. He ended with the classic finders, keepers, losers, weepers. And it felt like I was right back at primary school. Mark, what do you think of uh, Iceman, King's pa- Iceman King Parsons uh, joining Hot and Hot Stuff International here in his promo? Uh, yeah, interesting development with him officially joining the group. And um, I, I like his intensity and the way he delivers it. But sort of last week into this week and then on to next week, He's just saying the same things over and over, and it's getting a bit uh, tedious, I think. Um, um, Bruce Pritchard uh, seems to be everywhere this week. He's getting a lot of screen time. Um, Dressed down a bit, though, with a regular suit on, unlike the bow tie tuxedo thing he normally wears. And um, Yeah, uh, I'm also getting a bit sick of hearing about the jar already, so uh, (laughs) there's more of that to come. Indeed. Uh, Stuart, anything to add on this? Yeah, bored of the jar, bored of the jar already. So, um, but yeah, I like I liked how how like Parsons is now officially part of that group. Um, you know, and I and I think he's going to be a big a big player over the next few weeks. But um, but yeah, it, I, this jar thing better be something really good because yeah, it's not. I'm not feeling it at the moment. For anyone concerned at home, I can let you know that the Cats Protection 90th Anniversary Biro that I broke is now fixed. It's back writing. It's living its best life. Um, back at the desk, Hayes said he wanted his cream back as it was a ticking time bomb. And I feel like they're really overplaying the possibilities and danger of this jar. Um, Hayes also wondered how Rick Steiner, who is not in the last segment, would feel about Parsons being part of the group now. Um, Kenny Johnson next, the lovely blonde mullet versus Ice Ranking Parsons, who is still coming out to his old We Are Family theme, which didn't really massively fit with his new heel persona, I didn't think. And Parsons was out with Gilbert, Sting and Hyatt. Gilbert got on the microphone and introduced Parsons and and called him our party man, which I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Total squash here with Parsons winning in 66 seconds after a knee to the back. Uh, Stuart, I have a feeling you won't have much to add on this. Uh, I liked the backhanded slap that he gave Johnson about 20 seconds into the match. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. That was about it. For, that was about it for me. That's, That's fine. <laughs> Little backhander. So, yeah, not, not a lot to go on. Mark. Yeah, before the match started, when after the Hyatt and Hot stuff thing, the cutback to Jim Ross and Michael Hayes. Hayes was very serious and very morose as he asked, as he turned to Jim Ross and said, where's my cream? <laughs> now that's not something you hear very often on a wrestling show. No. Um, <laughs> the match begun and... Um, yeah, the announcer said Kenny Johnson. The on-screen graphic said Kenny Johnson, but Jim Ross called him Jimmy Johnson. I don't know if you noticed that. Um, he looked a bit to me like the former NXT Tag Team Champion and Rusev hype man, Aiden English. He had a similar appearance to him. It's been a long time since I complained about colour coordination in this company. I used to do that quite regularly, but Kenny slash Jimmy Johnson was taking the mickey here with purple trunks, grey knee pads and red boots. Um, I did like how Ross and Hayes were raising questions about Hot Stuff and Hyatt International being seemingly split over Iceman joining them. Clearly, Gilbert and Sting were very happy about it, but Missy didn't look happy. And obviously, Rick Steiner's had run-ins with Parsons in the past. So I liked how the sort of uh, raising that question at this point. Absolutely. Savannah Jack versus Mike Boyette next. And Boyette... And Boyette had an entirely ridiculous haircut that made him look like a real-life clown. Uh, the Iceman came down to ringside in 25 seconds. Uh, 
with Oreo cookies. Google it if you don't get the implication Pass was making here, but it was very nasty stuff. Uh, Jack won in 92 seconds with a super kick after some awkward exchanges and Parsons walked off on the outside. Um, not a stellar wrestling show so far, and that's an understatement. Mark, thoughts on this? Yeah, it was what it was, but I like the finish. Um, how Savannah Jack rebounded off the ropes. He leapfrogged over Boyette, but shifted his body weight to stop suddenly and hit a super kick in the opposite direction. It was nicely done. Stu? Um, I got a comment about Boyette's hair. I think that had grown exponentially from last week. So, um, so yeah, so... Um, I could do with the telephone number of his father. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, I like what Mark said about the super kick and how he shifted his weight and stuff like that. But I don't think the replay particularly did that any favors because it looked like the super kick called to mere glancing blow again. It wasn't a it wasn't a well connected super kick. So I think the replay probably didn't do Savannah Jack any favors there at all. So, um, but yeah, it was it was. It, it was the best of what I've seen tonight, but that's not mm. saying a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. New. Tag titles next. Just when you think, just when you thought things couldn't get any worse in ring, we had the team of nightmares, the angel of death, and Buddy Jack Roberts versus Chris Adams and Terry Taylor. Uh, the match went through a break in four minutes, and it had been about as uneventful a four minutes as you could possibly get. Uh, Taylor tried the Shawn Michaels corner bump in just under seven minutes, but botched it a bit, unfortunately, took a bit of a nasty spill. And the champions eventually retained in nine minutes and 20 seconds of airtime after Taylor hit the angel of atrociousness with the five arm. And Adams got Buddy with the belly to belly, belly, sorry, belly to back and bridge for the pin. Hayes protested that Buddy's shoulders were, were uh, a shoulder was up, but it clearly was not. Unfortunately, this was only passable and not really a surprise given who the wretched challengers were here. Um, Stu, what do you think of our tag title match? Oh, God, this was not great. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was... Uh, it was just a classic for me. <laughs> I, I, I'm really struggling to what to say because the rest, I just, sorry, this is going to, the rest is just so bad poor. wrestling, wasn't it? Not it was fun just, and bad was, wrestling, yeah. It, it was just poor. It was, yeah. it was poor all throughout the show. Um, yeah, I mean, I think Taylor did as much as he could to, to sort of like um, keep that match going. I, I'm, I'm not, a massive lover of Adam's work, really. So I think Taylor for me was the one that could do it. I did. I did like the fact that he came back from the advert, and there was this like this big um, double atomic drop on Angel of Death. That was quite. That was quite good. That was probably the highlight of the match for me. But um, even the Boston Crab that he put on Angel of Death put on was just poorly executed. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm struggling here. Really. It's all right. Um, yeah, I'm going to pass over to Mark. Not much to say on <laughs> Mark, that at all. Over to you. A um, little bit about the Angel of Death. I've heard you in the past, Steve, uh, say how much you don't like his uh, ability, let's say. Um, have or lack thereof. Yeah. Have you discussed in the past his run in WCW? Because I've got some notes about that. Uh, I haven't, no. 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 Um, he had a run against Sting in WCW house shows under a mask as the Black Scorpion in 1990. Oh, okay. Um, this Black Scorpion Sting feud... Um, it ended at Starcade 1990, and it was unmasked to be Ric Flair. Mm. Um, but before then, he, he was wrestling house shows, and that was the Angel of Death guy under the mask. And then he had some TV matches, and under the mask that time was Al Perez. And then, obviously, the big reveal was Ric Flair. So 
all three Black Scorpions and their opponent have ties back to Mid South Wrestling. Um, and Al Perez was really great. Uh, exactly, I, mean, yeah. I do miss Al, but yeah, yeah, Angel of Death was not. No. Um, I've got the, we've got another one of these promos backstage with with hot stuff and heart and such. It's, it's going over a lot of old ground, but it, do either you? I'm not going to go through it again. Do either you have anything to add on this particular bit before we go on to a bit more of Steve Cox? Um, apart from that, I did notice how many times Iceman Parsons kept saying "sucker." And can you dig it? And I was just wondering if Booker T drew a little bit of inspiration from uh, from Iceman Parsons. Well, I'm sure it would have been, he, he would have grown up watching this because this would have been if you know in Texas this would have been available certainly. So at world class and UWF would have crossed over certainly in terms of um, television network availability even back in the kind of early 80s definitely. I just wrote I couldn't give a toss about the cream. <laughs> Ross then talks about the young rookie Steve Cox. Who had made a great impact, apparently. And we got a recap of Cox helping Debuse. I can't say Debussy anymore. Um, then with 90 <laughs> seconds on the show, the Super Ninja versus Steve Cox, Ross mentioned Steve Williams was on an American tour of Japan, which doesn't make a lot of sense. That sounds like a potential sitcom where like an American guy just walking around getting into sort of mishaps and sort of sort of thing, and you know, can't speak the language. It's probably something I would like to watch, actually. Um, Cox's punches were absurdly bad. And his selling style was shaking his head to make the back of his hair move a bit. And he won in short order with the Russian leg sweep, even though Ross called it side suplex. Uh, he also said it had been a great hour and that was a lie. Mark, thoughts on this match and final thoughts on this episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation. Yeah, the match was scheduled for one fall or TV time remaining, which, like you said, there was about 80 seconds of TV time remaining. So the question, the quick squash by Golden Balls wasn't much of a surprise. Um, Jim Ross called it a victory in impressive fashion. Um, he got beat up for a bit, evaded an elbow drop, and did a leg sweep. So I, I don't, I wasn't as impressed as Jim Ross. And yeah, Steve Cox isn't the first rookie from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I've seen go on a long unbeaten streak, and I think the other guy did it better. Uh, who's the other guy? Bill Goldberg. Ah, wow. Okay, very good, very good. Uh, Stu, what did you think of this uh, this match? And final final thoughts on the, this uh, week of television? Nothing really to say on the match. Um, to be honest with you, that Mark hasn't already said you can't. Um, you know, there's not much you can say about eighty seconds, if that. Um, controversially, this might be, but I think this is one of the poorest shows that I've seen for a long time didn't really enjoy it that much at all i thought the wrestling was quite a low standard um yeah there's not really much to sort of like leap out of me about that that show unfortunately no it wasn't um it wasn't one of the classics was it as i've started this <laughs> this is way too early there's a horrible sound playing now in the background which we might must stop i'm not sure that's on air or not that was horrific uh yeah no it wasn't wasn't the best really was it to be honest but um Hopefully, this next one is going to be even better. So um, we're, just, we're going to load up the March the 21st, 1987 episode on YouTube. So if you fancy watching along uh, with the fun, then you can search for U UWF 1987-0321, and I'll do a little countdown when we're ready. Right, we are back. So if you're ready at home, I'm sure there's literally hundreds of thousands of you waiting to watch along with us on this. So if you've got the YouTube um, ready, listen for the awful sound at the start, which I'm going to mute. So in three, two, one, we'll hit play. And here we go. Um, 
I've playing the wrong episode. Brilliant. I'm playing an episode from April, which is just fantastic. So let's skip back to the right episode, which is the 21st of March. We don't want to, we don't want any spoilers here. Three, two, one. Is it going to play? It is playing. Here we go. Right. It's we're what two weeks out from WrestleMania. How are you fit? How are you both feeling about it? Are you excited about it? If you're if 10 would at 10 out of 10 would be the most excited bit about anything. And zero is you actively dreading it. Stu, where are you? I'm a solid eight. Wow. Okay. Wow. Solid eight. I am. I am really, really looking forward to this. This one. Um, aside from, I think. I think every match is as Omos isn't really doing it. I lost you a moment. little bit, then, Stu. Just, just say that. Say that uh, again. I said, I said it's a solid eight for me at the moment. I think every match uh, I'm quite invested in. Yeah. Um, apart from Lesnar and Omos or Omos yeah. or however, however you want to pronounce it, I'm not quite sure how that one's gonna gonna play out. I was really, I'm really hoping, um, and not that I, because he he certainly deserves his moment in the Hall of Fame and stuff like that. But I'm sort of like really hoping that they don't announce a Mysterio Mysterio match until after the Hall of Fame when maybe Dom attacks his father on the Hall of Fame mm. stage. I would love that as an angle. Um, not sure whether they'll do that because Mysterio certainly deserves his 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 moment in the Hall of Fame, but I, I can't see any other way of accelerating a match because that I've got a real interest in that. I think that's been a really lovely build. Um, yeah, I think it's and, been really good. And I think Dom's getting more confident on the mic and stuff like that, you know, um, but yeah, I, I'm, 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 I really am looking forward to. Really, am looking forward to. It. Obviously, I think we're, we're, we're heading down the lines of um, Usos versus uh, uh, Zayn and Owens. I'm quite interested to see how they how they get there on that one. Um, but I think there's a lot to look forward to. Really, really a lot to look forward to. And I think the matches have been built. They're building up really well. Um, so yeah, bring it on is what I say. Absolutely. Um, just to just talk about very quickly what's going on on the episode. So um, Savannah Jack will challenge Eddie Gilbert for the TV title. Uh, and apparently Hyatt has told Gilbert he needs to win the title or else. Um, Ross also mentioned that there'd be a, there was a major happening and taking place between the Freebirds and Devastation Incorporated, albeit we'd find, about, find out about more Find out more about that next week. What a tease, Jim Ross. And to, to open the show, we've got Sam Houston and Ted DiBiossi versus Terry Taylor and Chris Adams in a non-title match. So babyface versus babyface to open. Uh, Mark, over to you about WrestleMania. What are you, how, how are your thoughts on how the card's shaping up and your general feelings on the products at this uh, this stage of the year? Well, um, I'm going to take um, Justine's lead and not give it a rating out of 10, uh, my excitement. But um, I think it was about a week after Elimination Chamber, I'd messaged you both and said... Um, I'm just not the excitement had sort of drained out of me that was there going into Elimination Chamber. But another couple of weeks have passed, and I think I think the matches that are announced, other than Lesnar, Omos, obviously, I think the the in-ring stuff should be really, really good this year. Like last year, favorite matches for most of us would have been um well, I I, I had a very fond fondness for Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville for the comedy element. There was the nostalgia of um, Austin coming back, and then I'd say for in ring, maybe just Cody versus Seth was the with the highlight of the weekend. But I think 
it, going into this one, there's sort of four or five matches that could legitimately steal the show, and I think that's quite exciting going into it. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be good. It'll be what I'm most interested in, I think, at this stage is seeing how they're going to um, split the shows up into the two nights to even things out. Um, we, we haven't got a main event for night one yet, for example. Yeah, and what, is, what do you think the main event is going to be for night one? What, what would you, what, in fact, what do you think it's going to be and what would you put on it? And, and that may or may not be different. I, I think it'll be a title match. Um, sort of Rhea Ripley winning the Royal Rumble would, I think, puts that and her match with Charlotte Flair on a slightly higher level of importance to Asuka versus Bianca Belair, even though I think the latter is going to be the better match of the yeah. two. I feel like Charlotte's best days, she's still very, very good, but um yeah she was stealing the shows five years ago not so much now with her inconsistent well she hasn't been wrestling as much uh but um for me the the match i'm most looking forward to so i guess that's why i'd say it but i think it is a high profile match and for the all-important casual viewers that we all talk about so much i think logan paul a lot of people want to see him and i think seth rollins is a perfect opponent for him yeah i I think um i think it's going to be a fantastic match i'd like to see him Get the main event spotlight to be honest yeah and that's that's definitely saturday isn't it they, they've uh well logan ah, right, paul, right. saturday yeah so logan paul said it's saturday so i presume that is i just feel like the other front runner which i think you two might might mention um if it's usos against sammy and owens i just feel like it it's the bloodline wrestlemania i don't think you need two bloodline main events so i, I wouldn't go for that did you see uh just to cut into my DBS just did a backdrop on Adams and Adams landed on his feet. Yeah, that? very impressive. That. that was that was fantastic. Not it's good not... for the ankles, but very no, impressive. they're going at 100 miles now. I guess I I don't know what I'd do. I would put, I might be inclined to do the bloodline both nights. Actually, I don't know. Um, but then I do think politically, maybe they go with the women's uh, the the Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. Albeit, I'd have been far more interested in, than in Rhea and Bianca than, than that match. Um, though I am really interested in Bianca and Asuka as well. I just I feel like, but also Rhea, uh, Rhea and Charlotte is another SmackDown match, um, and so is uh, I know Judgment Day are on Raw, but Charlotte, the defending champion, is a SmackDown champion. Yeah. So you've got Roman, the SmackDown guy, Charlotte, the SmackDown guy, and then if it is Usos and I mean, it's SmackDown. I think you'd have a Raw main event on the Saturday, which, like I say, Logan Paul would fit in that a set of Raw guy. What do you think, Stu? Well, very similar to what Mark said. My, you know, I think it will be Rear against Charlotte Flair, but for me, it should be Logan Paul against Seth Rollins. That would be yeah. my go-to main event match. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be um, averse to the Usos and and if it is Sami Zayn and, and Kevin Owens going on as the main event either, um, just p- purely because of the storyline and how it's been built. Um, but yeah, I've got, yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards Rhea against Charlotte Flair, but for me, it should be Logan uh, Logan Paul against Seth Rollins. The other thing I was going to say is, is, have you had the latest room about WrestleMania, about maybe LA Knight and Austin having a match? Yeah, I'm not sure. I think that, was it not a very reputable source, though, I think? Because um, I clicked on the article and it was riddled with spelling mistakes. So I think it might be. Oh, okay. Yeah. And 
I'm I'm going to cut in in about three or four minutes. So I'll give you I'll give you fair warning for something I want to want to listen into. I'm really interested. What what are your have what are your watching habits at the moment? Both of you, Stu, you go first. What, how do you follow? And I'm always interested in this with everyone that I speak to, pretty much because there is so much so much wrestling. Even just if you're just trying to do WWE, there's so much rest in terms of hours. Yeah. So what, what do you do? What how tell me about your week? How do you consume products? What websites you okay. visit? Do you listen to podcasts? Shoot. So when I get the time, um, which isn't I don't have much time, if I'm being honest with you, not as much time as what I'd like to have with with all the other things that I've got going on, uh, with like my football and coaching my son's team and stuff like that. Um so I tend to so Raw Smackdown will be a um it'll be a quick read of I I, I use a web a website for 411mania.com, I think it is. Um so um it'll be a quick pop onto there to read the read the reviews of the um of the shows. Um I'll then hop on YouTube because in, in the UK obviously we have BT Sport holds wrestling's on bt sport i don't have a bt sports bt sports subscription so it'll be a hop onto youtube uh where the highlights are on there you know like short segments three four minutes just to get a feel of it um podcasts i don't i don't get time to listen to as many podcasts as what i want to yours are obviously my priority there you go yeah. shameless plug there because so, <laughs> you haven't um, got much of a commute of you from memory i don't because i think I guess no, i've got i've got 10 minutes so i don't yeah. have that opportunity either really to uh unless i walk into work which is sometimes i'll do that in the summer when it's, it's about a six mile walk yeah um sometimes i'll walk into work every now and again and then that gives me a chance to listen so i'm um, driving like 90 minutes every day minimum yeah really. yeah, yeah so, so that's my so podcast my, my my interaction with the product is 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 um very piecemeal and very easy if you know what i mean um because it is just reading the reports and then if i see something in the reports that i like i'll then go on youtube and watch those particular clips go yeah. on the wwe website um aew again not that into the product um read the reviews stuff oh, like you, that. so you do re- that's interesting so you do read about what happens on dynamite yes yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And and that website that 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 website that I use is a really uh a, a really good one to to for me for me personally, it just fits in with my lifestyle. So that's my uh would I like to watch more? Absolutely, of course I would do, but it, it's just a I a I don't want to pay for another subscription to 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 be T Sport. Um and 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 B it's actually having the having the time. I mean, doing something like the podcast tonight is a really quite a a luxury for me you know I, I you know and like you say we have to probably book these three four weeks in advance don't we mm. because of just how busy we all are with various different things and stuff like that so so um yeah so I, i'm more of a convenience wrestling fan in terms of i don't you know um watch the product religiously but i do keep up to date with it but i would like to watch more yeah, no, I, I can I completely get that. We're just gonna we're just gonna listen in in a moment. So, Mark, I'll come I'll come back to you on this after we've um after we've listened to, into a couple of bits. But I find that interesting about the, the the reading of AEW particularly because when I was completely watching no WWE, I definitely didn't listen to or read anything about it. So it's interesting that you've still got you know some interest of like something that's hooking you back to at least sort of wanting to know what's going on. Let's listen in for a moment as uh, Ted DiBiase has got Taylor in a figure four he's going for. DiBiase going back to that turnbuckle. Time is running out here. DiBiase and Taylor now. With 
great finish with all the near falls as the time went out. Yeah. So a lovely uh, crowd of pumped. So that was, we, we were obviously talking about other stuff, but in the, that, having that in the background, that was, they were flying all over the place. I think that's well worth going out of your way to go and see some, the kind of pre-WWF Ted DiBiase and the rest of the guys and that, because that was, uh, that was very good. Right, Mark, you've got one minute for the next thing of cutting. So why don't you start with your, your stuff and I'll, I'll cut in when we want to listen to the next bit I picked out. Yeah, well, my interest in wrestling is highest it's been for a while because uh, I went through a spell, I think around two, 2020, I was finding myself, I, I was losing interest in AEW's product and WWE's product with the um, the closed door shows and what have you. Um, so my, even though I'm so invested in what's going on now, I still, again, mostly time constraints, so I watch SmackDown every Saturday morning, but that's mostly convenience. That's the time I get to watch whatever I want to watch um, without rushing to get ready for work and school and everything. Um, so I never miss SmackDown. Um, whereas Raw, it's more YouTube highlights on a Tuesday morning, zipping through it in sort of 20 minutes, half an hour. Well, I was uh, going to pause you there, Mark, very quickly. And we'll message. come back to you shortly. The UWF is the fastest growing wrestling organization in the world today. And we'd like for you to be a part of it. The UWF has always taken pride in recruiting the best young stars in wrestling. And now, we're proud to announce the opening of the UWF Training Center. It's Steve opening Williams. soon, and will be the only facility of its kind ladies. in the world. If you've ever considered a career in the exciting world of professional wrestling, this is where the road to stardom begins. Whether your future lies in wrestling, managing, or being a valet, there's no better place to start than the UWF Training Center. It's a tough road to the top, and it's certainly not for everyone. But if you think you have what it takes and would like more details on this exciting there between career a manager and a valet, right yeah. you could be a manager UWF or a valet. P.O. Box 815-099, Dallas, Texas, 75381. Classes will be filled on a first-come, first-served basis, so don't delay. And be sure to catch UWF action going coast-to-coast coast in 1987. Sure, a lot of people were disappointed when uh, they wrote off to that and didn't get. Well, I thought that was a classic bit of UWF uh, video package there with a bit of Joel Watts. Any thoughts on this on that uh, video, gents? Uh, well, I, I watched this show before and I made a load of notes. I didn't make any notes on that. Perhaps, so. Oh, I didn't realize that. Well, that is that just shows why when you're one of the hardest working men in podcasting there. Um, Stu, do you think anything about that? What's your thoughts? I on just that? like you said it places will be filled on a first come first serve basis so is there any screening or is it just like if you get your letter in first and the post you've got the money they'll let you in yes the postal that's system that's works for you then um you're in if you've got the money you're you're in i think uh sorry mark going back to you talking about raw basically in terms of sort of yeah. watching at that point yeah so i'm interested enough to watch all the highlights on a tuesday morning nxt i haven't followed for many years now to be honest um i think since I was briefly interested um, when they went on TV and went head-to-head with Dynamite. They brought a few guys in there like Finn Balor and Gav Gargano and other push and things like that. But that was the last time I really paid attention to them. Uh, I've got interest in, obviously, it's well known on this podcast, my interest in Mercedes Monet's career. So I'm going to be watching some different stuff. Uh, Now she's involved in Stardom and New Japan shows. Really enjoyed her match with Kyrie, by the way, last month. Yeah, um, that's great. And yeah, AEW, I'm, I'm like Stu, really. I, I will always make the point to read reviews of the 
of Dynamite and Rampage, even though I haven't watched them for I don't know how long. Uh, mostly because I like to keep abreast of what's going on with mm. people, with with wrestling in general, uh, not just the shows that I'm actually making the effort to watch. Because sometimes something does come up and you think I'm, I'm going to have to tune into that. Um, so, yeah, that's it. And, and you got to, you said about podcasts and things like that. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge podcast listener. I, I, I walk to work and back every day. I get about a couple of hours a day podcasting in. But funnily enough, there's not so much current day wrestling stuff. I like listening to um, wrestlers talking about their careers who have retired. That sort of thing is more more than breaking news podcasts, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. indeed. Sorry, she gone. Guys think, what did you guys think to uh, Brian's video after his um, his match with MJF? His go home video. Did you have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, have you seen it, Mark? I, no, I didn't see that. What was it? So basically, he um, well, he was basically saying that he can't do well. I don't know. I mean, Steve will correct me, but basically saying he can't really do this anymore, and he's going home. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's right. it. So he's going to be off TV then. I think so. Yeah, I mean, I I would. Um, I said I mentioned you, you guys now. What's that group? I, I think it's it's going to be different watching that match, uh, knowing what happens. But that was, um, you know, an out almost an out of body experience watching that because I I you know yeah Brian Danielson, uh, just as Ice Making Parsons has lost to Ken Massey by disqualification there, um, so uh, over the top rope, um. Brian Dennison, I've always really liked him and I was massively bought into WrestleMania 30, but they got me in that match. I was like, is this is the impossible going to be happening there? And I, I, do, I do genuinely think it's one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think he's retiring, but he is certainly going home, which is, I don't know, I just feel with AEW, they had a star there. I'm not necessarily think they should have put the title on him, but um, they turned him and turned him back. And, you know, I think the people just want to cheer him and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure how I feel about the whole thing, really. But going back to um, sort of WWE, AEW and watching stuff, one of the best things about the last, and, and pretty much it started before Clash at the Castle, um, is that I found myself being interested in WWE again. And I, it, what how I work, it depends on what I've got on during the week. But I will probably watch, what I tend to do with WWE is I fast forward through the matches, see the finish, and I watch the promos and watch the angles. Because I think actually, especially on the three-hour Raw, there's a lot of re- like we can all. If you want to watch, if you want to watch incredible wrestling, I'm not sure WWE is necessarily the place for it. But if you want to watch the best segments, and I genuinely think this now, the best segments in terms of promos and angles in wrestling today, and that's WWE, and that and that it, and it is, and all the stuff about the scripted promos and all this nonsense that we always talk about. Well, they, I think they're probably still scripted, but they're the best pro- they're the best promos in, t- in wrestling television or on WWE at the moment, not AEW. So, um, yeah, that and I think that the Bloodline stuff has been tremendous. And he, like Dominic and Rey Mysterio is really good. Like, and this stuff, just think if you're into stuff and there's stuff that's going on that um, you know is is getting you interested in the matches. Do I think that WrestleMania is going to be the best wrestling show ever? No, but I think you have a super pumped crowd with over characters and people that you know. That I'm interested in, and, and, and going right to the top of the card, I'm really interested in Cody and Roman Reigns. Now, is Cody going to win the title at WrestleMania, or is Reigns going to somehow retain it? Stu, you go first. Do you, do you know what? <clears throat> I'd love Cody to win it, but I'm not sure 
if the and we talked about this on a previous podcast about what uh, uh you know what we think should happen and stuff like that but for me I'm, I'm wondering if the person that should end roman reigns's title reign should be jay uso um but just just going because, back to the show that so sorry i'm just going to pause uh, you for one quick second so we, we there was a there's an interview there with ted dibiase um, and DBRC would only have two more UWF matches after this interview aired. Um, there was one of the kind of promos for, for local markets without, without matches again. Um, but this is right at the end of DBRC's UWF career, unfortunately. So this is, he's another one. He goes on an All Japan tour. Um, and I think he might be on TV a couple of times, but not, not matches. So, yeah, the Ted DBRC era of UWF is nearly over. So, Stu, back to you on the Joe Uso thing. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it also like, started with Jay, didn't it, when... when... Jay was wrestling Reigns, wasn't he, and stuff like that, and how Reigns um, basically used Jimmy to get Jay to quit and stuff like that. So, you, you, you know, I'm not fully bought into the fact that Jay is 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 um, behind Reigns, if you know what I mean. It's he, obviously it's his Jimmy's his brother, and that's how the the storyline's being pitched, but. Uh, as much as I would love Cody to win, and I think he will win, and 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 I'm all for that. But if you really wanted to keep that storyline just bubbling along for a little bit longer, I mean, I know I think on the last uh, the last podcast when we were talking about our predictions, I, I was looking for a more longer term strategy around Sami Zayn and stuff like that. But I'm just wondering if maybe Jay Uso should be the one that dethrones Roman, um, and it, and then it almost comes back to full circle, if you know what I mean. Um, that's said I, i'm still sort of like thinking they might do reigns reigns rock at wrestlemania next year i keep hoping for that um could that so so that would make sense for cody to win and then they have a year-long storyline to build to 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 roman and rain uh Ro, sorry reigns and the rock um but yes i think cody will win and i'm all for that as well uh in ring now we've got savannah jack defending his uh, really good-looking TV title against Eddie Gilbert, who just snogged Missy Hart's face off. Uh, Mark, what do you think about all everything Stu just said with, with regards to the main event at WrestleMania and Reigns and Uso and Cody, etc.? I, I just see a Cody Rhodes win. I can't see Roman um, retaining. Um, I think if if he beats Cody, like like we said about. 18 hours after Elimination Chamber, a few of us were saying in the group chat about, well, that's that's Sammy Dunn. Obviously, that's an exaggeration. He's still a very popular guy and he's still in a very good position, but it all led to that match with Roman and, and, he, and he lost. I think the same thing with Cody. He'll still be over with the crowd and everything, but if he gets his big shot and he doesn't win it, um what next sort of thing and also what next for Roman you haven't really got I like Stu's idea there of bringing Jay back around to to be a rival for Roman instead of a teammate um but I, I don't see it I think I think it's time to do something different with Roman than the than the character he's been for over two years now he's the champion no one can knock him off acknowledge him I think they need to change it up a bit so get the title off him and then see what's next for him where, where, where do you think though it goes? If it, I, mean, I was thinking about this. So, because we've we've been so used to reigns. What now? Are we what we're talking? We're coming up to three years, possibly. Yeah. Um. Uh, longer than. But, uh, but, three. Uh, when did he, he won the it? title at SummerSlam, I believe, twenty twenty, or just after yeah. SummerSlam. Yeah. So my 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 
my point is is like I, I, I think if Reigns lose if Reigns loses the title at WrestleMania, I think he'll take a sabbatical. I don't see him having a rematch for it straight away, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I, agree, um, yeah. I think they'd save that for uh, you know, one of the, the, the main pay-per-views. But who who realistically then challenges Cody for the title? Do you know who who is out there? Because obviously Reigns has been so dominant across the piece, doesn't he? Who who comes after Cody next? Who 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 would you have as the number one contender if Reigns is not around? I guess it could further the bloodline storyline if somebody like Jay won a, a contenders match or something to become number one contender, and then you've got the Roman telling him you can't be number one contender because I'm in charge around here. You could still do the similar storyline to you said about dissension between one of the Usos, Jimmy even, and Roman. Mm. Um, if one of them. You know, if they have a gauntlet match, one of them things that the cut sometimes do out of nowhere and the winner's the number one contender. I think you could do... Um, I think they're probably going to do Rollins again at some point. Though. Rollins is a babyface now. Maybe Finn Balor is, is kind of head of judgment day, heel side. Yeah, if he finishes off edge, it, it'd look strong after WrestleMania. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be okay, I think. Maybe Gunther, depending on what happens with him in the Intercontinental title. Um, so there's a few people. I mean, none, none of it is... I mean, that actually, I shouldn't say none of it is sort of sounding incredible. That all sounds okay to me. But I think you've got... The thing with Cody is I think you've got an opportunity now to try and make a baby face. And I think you don't get too many opportunities to do that. They didn't choose to go with Sami Zayn. And I think if you don't go with Cody now, I think his popularity will wane. And I kind of feel like, as you said, um, the reigns is a bit played out in terms of opponents. I think it is time to to try something now. And I think, I think, I think Cody's promos are so good that people are just, I personally, I'm sort of bought into his character. Let's just listen in to the end of this uh, TV title match. It's Gilbert right back to the corner. That right The challenger is in trouble here. Ref bump. 360 and a 720 and the referee goes to the floor. And Savannah Jack with that super kick. Savannah Jack with a super kick. The referee's outside. Uh-oh. And here comes the Iceman. Parsons with something in his hand. He's bringing something on that clock. And you can... That's a horrible odor. You can even smell it back here. Iceman Parsons in the ring. A sucker kick right to the solar plexus. And the Iceman... I think Jim Ross said pretty much exactly the same thing at WrestleMania 9 when the I was just about to say that. Ether rag <laughs> against yeah. Undertaker. You yeah. can smell it from here where we are. So. Iceman running back to the locker room. Missy High is pushing the official back into the ring. And Gilbert has the TV champion covered. So Eddie Gilbert wins the TV title via horrible odour. Uh, and he's our new champion. What do you think about Savannah Jack being... Uh, well, losing the title here. I, I, in the notes I made about this previously, I thought it was an enjoyable match until the ref bump. I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, ether, ether soap rag finish. No, I don't know that um, Savannah Jack was around too much longer after this. I'm just going to have a look. Should you have anything to add on this uh, this title change? And Eddie Gilbert being the um, the champion now. Yeah, no, I'm not a. Uh... I'm a bit like Mark, really. I, I don't like that angle at all. So, um, so yeah, not not really that much else to add. Yeah, Savannah Jack. It's interesting. He, I don't, oh, crikey, he didn't do much after this at all. Um, so he, yeah, so he, 
Crikey, he did lo a loser. He did a series of loser gets ten lashes matches against Savannah against Ice Making Parsons. Oh. And his last match was at the end of April. Uh, on end of April '87, I don't think he did anything after that. He must have been injured. Yeah. So he, his last professional match, by the looks of things, was April 1987. So I wonder what happened to him there. Hmm. Um, as we've got Steve Cox coming into uh, into the ring. Oh, I've I've googled Savannah. Jack and it's come up Savannah Jackson is a lady it's not and now I've got Savannah Jacks as well which is a restaurant so let's try and get actually some information about this guy um where were we with so well we were talking about Cody weren't we yeah I mean I'm into the Cody sort of promo stuff so I do yeah I do think that um, oh, his promos are amazing I mean that 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 promo with with Paul Heyman was just absolutely box office yeah. yes yeah. Well, it 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 would it were absolutely box office. Um, and that's the other thing as well. If it what happens with Heyman as well, where where does Heyman go? Do you know what I mean? Um, you know, if Reigns loses and goes on a sabbatical, where 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 does Heyman end up? Well, I think it's a Heyman... shame to lose him as a as an on screen character. I do think the J turn is going to happen at some point. I think this is just delaying it for the for the for the WrestleMania match, right? Which I do sort of understand. Um, going back to Savannah Jacks, it's not it's not a great story, really, actually. So he lost the title in the match you've just seen. Uh, this, this was taped on March the 8th, 1987. Um, and later that year, retired from wrestling due to health problems. Um, he basically coughed up a blood clot before a match. And he returned to Minnesota and was diagnosed with cardiomyopathy, which I probably pronounced dreadfully, which was caused by years of steroid abuse, according to his, um, oh, according to his uh, Wikipedia um, and he suffered a stroke in 2001. And on January the 17th, 2012, uh, Jack died from that cardio illness um, after 25 years of heart problems at 63. So, yeah, this really was the end for Savannah Jack, unfortunately, in terms of professional wrestling at 87. Um, so I don't know what he did for work after that. But, yeah, not um, not amazing. Anything else to add on uh, WrestleMania or anything else going on in the world of wrestling? Because this is a, a rare occasion where we're, recording this sort of two days before or less than two days before it comes out so any anything else you want to discuss in, in the wonderful world uh, of pro I've, got wrestling? A question, I've got a question to throw out hmm. will omega come to wwe i really hope so um but i and i and, I, and i've said it at least three times that the 2018 version of me would want to kick myself in the bollocks for saying that <laughs> but um it's time it's time yeah I, yeah i'm gone yeah, and if he I, does, I, I if agree. he does come to WWE, how would you? Uh, ha, ha, what would be your idea, ideal scenario to introduce him to WWE? You know, I like how point how him had, like the did Cody turn up as a babyface and he's the top guy. Yeah, you know, like how we had the AJ Styles pop when he joined the Royal yeah. Rumble and stuff like that. How how would you introduce Amiga? I think just no, yeah. No build up or anything like that. Put him on TV with some cool music, an awesome entrance, and the crowd. I think a lot of the crowd will know who he is and what a big deal he is. And you've got a main event babyface. Yeah, I, com I completely agree. And I, I think the thing with Kenny is, um, I really like Kenny Omega, and I, you kind of forget, and I did forget, and it wasn't until. You know, I watched him in AEW for, for what whatever how long it would have been. When did AEW sort of debut? I guess it would have been early 20, uh, 2019 and sort of saw some of the pay-per-view stuff and then through some of the pandemic era. And it was it was only when I started watching all those matches again during the 
um, during the pandemic time. So I was like, this Kenny Omega is so good. He's had match, great, um, incredible match of everyone. And then you think that, Ke- that Tony Khan had him in, um, had him as their champion and he booked him in a pay-per-view title match in a triple threat, which had Orange Cassidy in it. And you think this guy, some of his prime years have just been completely wasted in this promotion. And I feel like the story's done. He, he did a really, he said some interesting things in interviews. He did an interview with uh, Rene Paquette a couple of weeks ago where he talked about he didn't have very many sort of um, dreams left in wrestling. And he's also said before that um, the idea of just turning up to work and having having to put less thought into it, um, not having to do that, you know, the, the stuff he does with the women's division in AEW and all that sort of stuff. I think that probably appeals. And I do think the Cody Rhodes move was, was such a massive thing. So I think yeah. for both Kenny and the Bucks, it's like, what is there left to do now? You you know, AEW will survive without them. But I, I just hope, I just think, I don't, I don't want to say that, a lot of people sort of called, you know, WWE is the be all and end all. And I, and I don't feel that way because there's, there's lots of, you know, someone like Kenny might have grown up and thought he wanted, you know, he wanted to main event the Tokyo Dome or whatever. And there's different, different things depending on what you're exposed to. But I do also think that now he's what, 38, 39, I think he's 39 now. Just get, let's get him in WWE. Let's get him mixing with Cody. That'd be a great, they've done a great feud before. Let's get that back again with Rollins, et cetera, and other people as well. So why not? Let's just, let's just let's go. The, the so would you bring him in as a heel? You just mentioned two baby faces there for him to feud with. Oh, I would bring him in as a baby face, but I think yeah. you can, you can, you can do, I don't think the. I think with him, I don't think it really matters about baby face and heel. I think you just bring him in. I think you, I think. I, I've with, never really bought into him as a heel. I just, I, I know he was trying to be annoying, but I just, I was put off completely when he was bad guy in AEW. Didn't yeah. Like I, I don't. I don't disagree. I think Kenny Omega should be. Kenny Omega should be brought in as I've won everything everywhere else, and now I'm coming in because I want to win yeah. the WWE title, and you know I'm the best wrestler in the world, and that's it. It's not. It's not difficult. So yeah, I, I really do hope, and I think we'll find out before too long because I think within the next four or five months, mm. his contract will be up in AEW. So and and the Bucks won't be too far behind. So we'll see. Um, yeah, you've almost got your. You've all. I mean, personally, I, I would bring him in for the Rumble. Having win the rumble, yeah, yeah, day one. I, w- I won't be against that. Yeah, no, that I would, wouldn't be against that. Would that be either. the perfect scenario, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, give him his WrestleMania main event against whoever. It doesn't need to then be put him in some decent matches on TV pay per view leading into WrestleMania. So WWE fans yeah. know why yeah. he's a big deal, and then boom, WrestleMania main event. The only thing I yeah. think about that is I do wonder whether they go that far on someone that would be forty by that point. But then I suppose. Well, AJ was similar age when he came in, wasn't he? Yeah, I guess AJ was probably 38, 39, 40 when he yeah. came in. And he had a... Had a Do you see that moonsault then? That that was... He knew that he went over him. Yeah, that's Mike Boyer and the Red Shadow because Chavo grew a missing link. And Chavo just completely moonsaulted over the Red Shadow um, and then uh, for a near and I think the Red Shadow. From what we're about to watch, I think that should have been the finish because now they just do a really very basic oh, cross body finish. That's yeah, a, wow. Yeah. Not yes. as spectacular as the moonsault. No, he doesn't look like he's too happy about that poor Chavo as well. Um, yeah, so I, I, uh, yeah, I think, I think I'm hoping on Kenny. What do you think about Punk? Is he coming back? No, I don't, don't know. Think I, so. I think he wants to wrestle. He, he wants to wrestle. I just yeah. buy that he yeah. wants to wrestle, whether it's AEW or that he can get a release. But 
we've had this discussion before in our predictions for 2023 if he'd go to WWE and I don't know if the damage is done. I, too I just much can't see it. I, I can't see that. Thing is, the punk if he thing, gets out of his AEW contract, what are his options? Do you think realistically? Um, you're, ten year, you're ten years on, though, aren't you? You're ten years on from Punk. You know, that's. I'm not saying that's a generation, but that's a lot. Of, that's ten years is a long time, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? I don't think it'd back... it'd be the big impact that Kenny Omega would be. He's no. a bigger star than Kenny Omega is, I would say. But yeah. For possibilities of that first year after coming, I'd be way more excited about to see what Kenny Omega does than a CM Punk does. Yeah, and I don't think um, New Japan business is improving, but this is this is not the New Japan that spent huge money getting Chris Jericho in in whatever that was twenty seventeen um, because they just they just haven't got that now. Um, so yeah, I, I think they probably would pay him a decent amount of money, but. Um, it's really you know big big money now is only in two places. I, I think the punk thing is interesting because it, it potentially plays into the Bucks and Omega situation because obviously they're the other side of that argument. So if if Khan brings them back and there are difficulties, I mean perhaps that's the thing that gets Omega out the door. I, I don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting few months, but I, I do I do think that actually um, though I'm, I'm I've been pretty down on the AEW product uh, and I think there's lots of problems with it the pay-per-view is really good and actually there's such a lot of good wrestling out there there really is between the stuff that WWE are doing and it's it's, it's, it's actually lovely to be able to say you know things positive things about this company that we all grew up on especially under Triple H and Control and dirty old Vince is well he's hanging around backstage but hopefully he's not too involved um it's just great and there's all there's all you know all the other stuff from around the world that's excellent as well um, what else, what else, chats? You've got a couple more minutes to go before we before this uh, before we get on out of here for this uh, this month. Anything else in the well, wonderful since world? I was, since I was last on the podcast, I suddenly became a Will Osprey fan. Um, okay, yeah, because yeah. uh, he wrestled in my neck of the woods, twenty minutes down the road for the first time around here, and um, he had what, what I said to you on the night was the besides WWE like WrestleMania is the best match I've ever seen live. And yeah. it was just some random indie in England against Robbie X um, in a small uh, nightclub type venue. And it was incredible, I thought, for, for the guy in his position. And you've said yourself about wh- why does he still do these amazing out-of-this-world performances on these smaller shows instead of saving it up for the big ones. But out, he did. He turned up and he actually absolutely rocked the place. Um, so since then... And it, I was going to mention this in when you asked what are our viewing habits right now. Um, I haven't subscribed to New Japan World, but um, just going through YouTube, seeing what you can find, I found so many amazing uh, matches. Uh, get things like he had a New Japan Cup match, I think, maybe last year or the year before against Amazing Red. I don't know if you'd seen it. Oh, uh, yeah. it's um, Was that in America, that one? Yeah, it was in America. And yeah, I, it was... I, um... There was some five-minute video of Brian Alvarez talking about what an amazing match it was. And sure enough, it was on YouTube. So I watched it. And Amazing Red, who'd been retired for like five years, and get him in the ring with Osprey. And it was an absolute classic. Brilliant. It was something like... Um, it, was a ju- it was a junior tournament over a couple of days. Yeah. I can't remember what it was. Yeah. It wasn't Best of Super Junior. It was some kind of like tournament, that. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, I have a theory about this, actually, and it's music to my ears that you've, you've uh, come into that special place of appreciation for Will Ospreay. Um, but I think he's going somewhere 
after the Tokyo Dome show. And he's this is his final year doing indies in, in the UK. And I think that's why he's working so much. So I think so the story is kind of like in New Japan, I want to I've got to, I've got to do I've got to get what I need to get to in this year, otherwise I'm going essentially. And I think that is what's going to happen. So I don't know whether it's AEW or WWE. And I and I think Osprey is an interesting one because I'm not sure. I'm not sure how you book Will Ospreay in AEW or WWE as a full timer, because um, it, it's just yeah, his promos are kind of, you know, we've talked about this about that Omega one. It's it's a, it's different, isn't it? It's like a kind of Essexy, loutish yeah. sort of guy, isn't it? I mean, I'm not sure that how that translates to, and I, and I'd, I wouldn't put it past him to be able to, um, to be able to do it. But I just don't. I yeah, I'm not sure. I. I I don't know if I was Will Ospreay. I think I probably would take. I think if I was Will Ospreay, after all the stuff he's done, I'd take the biggest money offer that I could get from whoever it was, and then I would just try and keep my because he's not even thirty yet. Yeah. I try and keep my body reasonably healthy, and just just try and do it. But I know I know that he likes being at home. Like he lived in Japan before. He's had a lot of me- mental health issues and stuff. But I just I, I mean his. His body of work, if you, if you separate his career in two and you put his, his body as body of work as a junior, do you just look at that stuff, the ricochet matches, all that stuff, all the all the um, best of super junior stuff from when was it 2018, 20, 29, sorry, 2019, all of those matches with everybody, incredible, absolutely incredible, out of this world. And then you separate that and throw that in the bin and then look at his career as a heavyweight, like mm. unbelievable matches of everyone. It's like how this guy is just, uh, you know, he just can do everything. And, and, I, and you see, see people on Twitter talking about, oh, he's just a flyer with no psychology. Well, I just kind of feel like yeah. people haven't seen his most recent stuff, if you think that. But yeah, he's great. Even, even in those days when he was a junior in Japan, he was doing stuff like there's a match with Walter in, I think it was OTT in Ireland. It's unbelievable with Walter beating the crap out of him and him sort of getting the reaction from the selling, Ricky Morton style. Yeah. And then just coming back and, and hitting him with a little bit of offense. and. The crowd went white. It was like a 35-minute match. It was amazing. I don't think I've seen that one. I have to check that out. But yeah, yeah he, he's another one. I think I think he'll he'll be he'll be around next year. But I think we just got. To, are you going to the the 22nd of April show? Yeah, it's him against uh, Bobby Fish. Oh yeah, I saw that. See, yeah. we, Dan and I were, were probably been interested in that, but it's um it's FA Cup semi-final weekend. But alas. Now that we've got May United away on Sunday, I don't think that'll be an issue, unfortunately, <laughs> but it's probably a bit late now. But yeah. I, I'm just going to, in a, in a minute, there's an interesting tune that's, um, that's, that plays out this episode, um, which is really newsworthy for the, for the Savannah Jack uh, win. Um, and there's not really a huge amount to say about it other than that. Obviously, we've got the, the great UWF Training Centre advert. And um, we've got a special song. You've got about 30 seconds, gents, if you want to, want to get anything else on air for this week. We will do a little close, but before this song that you're both going to recognise, but you have to tell me where it's from when you hear it. So anything else? You've got 20 seconds now. Putting you on the spot. Your turn, Stu. I've rambled on for ages. <laughs> oh, God, I've thrown out quite a few questions tonight. Um, oh, Well, can I just say... I've right enjoyed tonight, obviously. So, uh, so yeah, I always enjoy doing these podcasts. So, yeah, we, I, don't we, think, we, I don't think we've got time to go into a massive debate about anything. So, uh, so yeah, I really want to do that UK Rampage show from uh, after WrestleMania eight. So we'll we'll, we'll try and circle back and maybe do Universal that. Wrestling Federation. Oh, where's this song from? Uh, WrestleMania, big time, twenty two. WrestleMania yeah. twenty two. So we've got Peter Gabriel's 
big yeah. time playing us out here. So that is that is it. That is it. For, we've got no March. The March 28th show is not available anywhere online. So that is it for March 97 in the world of the, U, the UWF. Um, Stu, what are your kind of thoughts on the promotion at this sort of stage before we get on out of here? You know, in terms of roster strength and strength of storylines and, you know, and, and the wrestling quality as well. Well, I mean, I think there's quite a strong, uh, quite a strong roster. Um, the, the the promos and the storyline, the storyline builds are are great. Um, but the, the the two three episodes, probably with the exception of that that opening uh, tag match on this episode with DiBiase and that, um, I have to say that the rest has been quite quite low quality for me over yeah, the last few episodes. Um, but the actual character development and storylines, I think, have been really, really good. Um, they just need to now transfer that into the in-ring action, really, which I'm sure will come over a period of time if these storylines continue to build the way well, they do. So, so, yeah. I'm not sure they will, Stu, because I think it's okay. all... Okay. Yeah, because this hope. is basically... The, this is just an all... So we're going to get a few more months of UWF... Spoiler alert. Don't... Turn it off now if you don't want to hear what happens. You get a few more months of, uh, of UWF, and then it's basically kind of like it's just essentially another part of Crockett um so we will we will carry on through that but yeah this is this is why I think I wonder if Watts didn't know this was happening at this point I don't think he did Mark what are your thoughts obviously you haven't probably watched uh, much UWF recently uh well in in terms of there's a big gap since the last show so what are your thoughts on star power wrestling quality etc and kind of the storylines on the show I think the the same shot of a of a big main event babyface at the minute you've got obviously one man gang as world champion you've got um eddie gilbert's one of the top guys um as a heel iceman's just turned so he's a heel now as well um skandor akbar doing the talking you've got the bill Irwin stuff um but baby and um babyface wise i mean you've got adams and taylor who are tag champions but besides that i don't know i think they're lacking and then there's ted dibiase and and i always think he, like in that show we just watched, he had a match and he had a promo, and some guys just aren't cut out to be baby faces, and I'd have him as one of them. Oh, like really? In, in his yeah. promo, he was acting like a nice guy and he was humble about his accomplishments. It just, it just didn't didn't, sit, didn't connect to you. Right. And it, I just, I thought it was while we were talking and seeing him on screen, I thought it was interesting that when we started reviewing shows, the first one I reviewed was I think from 1984, and. um DBSE was a clean-shaven guy with short brown hair, and now we see him, and he looks like the million-dollar man we recognise. He's got yeah. longer blonde hair, he's got the beard, and um, yeah, I just thought it was a nice evolution of DBSE in the three years I've been reviewing shows with you. Absolutely. Unfortunately, I think uh, you know we're sticking with it, and there's still going to be some nuggets of fantastic stuff I think to come. But obviously, you know, this is this is a promotion that is short on life at this point, really. So. That is it, gentlemen. It's been great fun as always. We'll, we'll, there'll be plenty more stuff from the three of us uh, in the coming months. Um, Stu, any final words before we get on out of here? No, just thanks for having us. Uh, really enjoyed it and look forward to the next one. Absolutely. Mark? Uh, just one more thing. I looked into something on the back of your previous UWF episode, the February, where you and Phil went through the key events of February. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a look into why Phil mentioned pretty much all of you co-hosts by name except me. That didn't bother me. Um, you played a Terry Taylor promo in which he said, one man's poison is another man's food or whatever. And you thought he was talking gibberish. But 
actually isn't far off as the common expression is one man's meat is another man's poison meaning what is good and enjoyable for one person is can be bad and unpleasant for another person so, so a lovely steak might be bad for a vegan for example well i was going to say to take the yeah. food part of the metaphor literally my bread is my wife's poison because i love astani from time to time but my wife's allergic to gluten or yes. taking the expression more figuratively uh young bucks matches they're good and enjoyable <laughs> for some people but bad and unpleasant for others absolutely what a way to finish and kenny omega is much better than Shawn michaels and right there's a, there is a bonus show coming out on that uh, which i've stitched up on so you look uh, you look forward to basically them convincing me that i'm wrong uh that actually wasn't too bad but ben particularly was some really interesting points about that so i think i think you'll enjoy that when that comes out right that is it thank you all for listening we should speak to you all again very very soon Hi.